Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Oh, we got a big, big show coming up for a big night of hockey. The NHL Frozen Frenzy is upon us. All 32 teams in the National Hockey League going at it tonight in staggered starts starting at 5 p.m. our time including a 7.45 puck drop at Canada Life Centre with the Central Division matchup between your Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues. going to be a real fun show today. We're going to uh, kick it around the league with uh, Wino. Stephen Wino of the AP is going to jump on, and we'll talk a little bit about this endeavor that the NHL is getting into, as well as the start of the season around the league. We'll get Wino's thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, as well as uh, everything that's to come tonight. And then we'll really dial it in with the latest on the club with Mike McIntyre, who's going to join us a little bit later on in the program. Um, we've also got some audio from Scott Arneal, both from yesterday, talking about um, being without Rick Bonus for the uh, next while. Obviously still thinking and uh, wishing nothing but the best for Rick's wife, Judy, who's uh, recovering in hospital. Hope everything will go well, and we'll really just uh, everybody praying that that'll be a quick and a full recovery for Judy. Um, but it's Arnie on the bench tonight. We'll hear from the interim head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll kind of dive in a little bit more to what we have. And the one thing, we were so busy yesterday coming out of the weekend with the Jets' big win on Saturday, the Bombers' win clinching the West, and everything else going on, National Football League and whatnot. Um, wanted to, I, we already, there were so many people in the chat yesterday talking about Connor Hellebuck's after-hours interview with uh, Scott Oak on uh, Hockey Night in Canada after the game. Um, we're going to have a few highlights of that later on in the program. So if you did miss it, um, you'll definitely be able to check it out here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I've watched it in its entirety three times. I mean, it is just so interesting that um, I think a lot of Jet fans, if you haven't seen it already, you'll want to catch some of it. So we'll do that later on in the program as well as a little bit more audio from the locker room with the Jets. And then, uh, I mean, we might need a little more time for the cool bet lines tonight because we will go through all 16 games in the National Hockey League. And, of course, we've got a big game seven in the NLCS after the D-backs forced a seventh game winning in Philly last night. And, uh, unfortunately, I had a great night with uh, our lock shop wagers for the Monday Nighter, but I had the Astros, and uh, they're out. Texas Rangers going to the World Series after winning Game 7. So we got a lot going on. Oh, by the way, it's NBA opening night tonight as well. Hell of a night to uh, post up on the couch. If you're not going down to Canada Life Centre to take on the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues, I will be doing that. Hopefully we will see you there. Um, listen, just before we bring in Reem, I have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg Jets, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barbershops. And uh, we will definitely get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Michael Remus in here and... Uh, Remo, big night last night, but a much bigger night tonight. You ready for all 32 teams dropping the puck this evening? Of course. I'm in a really good mood, Huss. Yeah, we had it. Good night. You know, there was only one hockey game on, uh, Sabres-Montreal. And I don't know if you saw Huss, uh, Sabres concerns with their attendance as well. But, you know, that Monday Night Football game was great, and we had two uh, baseball playoff games. I, I want to probably say I picked both of them wrong. 
So, uh, Adolis Garcia, guys, uh, he's turned into a superstar here. And then we got a game seven NBA, uh, NBA kicking or tipping off. And uh, yeah, 16 hockey games, staggered start times, just uh, amazing stuff. And we'll have, yeah, Jets Blues, 745. Uh, I'm pumped. Oh, and the Jets are wearing a uh, Heritage Blues. Yes, tonight. they are. So yes, they are. It's great. Hey, by the way, um, I don't know. Is there a, is, do you have some sort of uh, thing on your audio right now? Oh, do so I? It sort of sounds like you're in a locker or something like that. It's um, not. A, it's not an. Uh, not an now? echo. How about now? Will. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, that's I think it was just right doubled now. for you. You're good now. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, all right. Well, anyways, yeah. Li listen, I mean, we have got. Let, let me just quickly shout out the Viking fans out there. Um, what a win for Minnesota last night. And I know our pal Connor probably won't want to hear this. Um, because I know he's a big uh, Niner fan. He can, he, his favorite player, Debo Samuel, wasn't playing. They certainly missed him last night. But holy smokes, it was Kirk Cousins on it last night. Um, and that, for Viking fans that had thought that this season was maybe slipping away, that win last night, Remo, to get them to three and four, the Vikings now have the longest current winning streak in the NFC at two. Big loss for the Lions right now. The Bears and Packers aren't going anywhere. I really think that the Vikings got right back into the thick of things. Their schedule eases up a little bit. I mean, they've had some real tough games with, you know, San Francisco, Kansas City. Um, Kirk Cousins was dealing last night, and the Minnesota Vikings are very much back in the thick of things when it comes to making the playoffs in the NFL. Yeah, I thought Kirk Cousins uh, couldn't win in primetime us. I thought he couldn't get it done. Um, Minor Night Football certainly... You know, look behind the eight ball with uh, without Justin Jefferson, Braylon Ad Addison. Uh, is it, wait, is it, it's not. Sorry, Braylon Addison's on the uh, Red Blacks. Jordan Addison. Jordan, Jordan Addison. Sorry, I got my leagues confused. I mean, he, the rookie uh, on fire yesterday. So nice win for the Vikings. They're they're back in it and uh, entertaining game again. Entertaining game last night and hey, getting us ready for a big day, big sports day today in front of the TV. Yeah, um, uh, listen, let's get to uh, the Jets uh, right off the bat because we will kind of get away from the home team and go all around the league coming up with Wino in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, we should get to right off the bat uh, that we talked about yesterday but we didn't have the audio in as we were doing the program um, was the latest with Rick Bonus and Scott Arneal taking over as the interim head coach while Bones is away. And, um, you know, it was quite obvious if you've seen or listened to this already um, that it was, a, a, you know, a heavy atmosphere, I think, around the Winnipeg Jets. And again, you know, the team has uh, just said to please respect the privacy of the family right now. Obviously, that's what everyone will do. Uh, but the Bonus family and Judy in particular in everybody's thoughts right now. And I mean, let's just get to what Bones, uh, what Arnie had to say right off the bat, about Rick Bonus, um, He uh, met the media yesterday, and uh, obviously uh, hockey was pretty secondary when um, everyone was talking about the current situation with Rick and his wife. Yeah, I mean, obviously our thoughts and prayers are go to Judy and Rick and, you know, very serious, tough time for them right now. The, you know, we'll just wait and uh, go day to day with this, see obviously how, uh, how she progresses and you know, see how Rick's doing, but uh, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's certainly feeling it. It's part family here, you know, and it's it's a it's a big part of what we talk about all the time. And you know, obviously, it it really hits everybody hard. Well, I mean, certainly it's family first. Um, you know, within uh, that team and the organization, Rick Bonus, and I think every every Jet fan kind of thinks of uh, Rick Bonus sort of as uh, as sort of family. I mean, he is 
such a great character, has so much experience, has been here through generations. I mean, there's uh, older folks that remember Rick Bonus being a member of the Winnipeg Jets and coaching back in the 80s. Um, and now, of course, he's back in 2023 as the bench boss for his second season here in Winnipeg. And, um, you know, he will be missed. But I do, I do really believe that the team is going to do everything they can to rally around this situation, rally around Scott O'Neill on the bench, and certainly <clears throat> try and win one for Rick uh, and Judy while he is away from the club. Um, one of the other things that, um, you know, we saw the change, Remo, and we talked about this yesterday. Listen, it was a tough start to, for Mason Appleton, and I know a lot of people thought that Appleton maybe wasn't the right fit for Shifley and Connor. Um, I think there was a couple maybe more obvious choices, but the ability, if it worked to have Appleton up there, would have allowed the Lowry line with Iafalo and Niederreiter stay together, which to me is um, you know, is a very difference-making line if they are together. That got changed quite quickly after Darnell Nurse's goal, um, and I don't think Appleton helped him helped himself in his cause with that penalty that we discussed as well yesterday. Um, so it's going to be Connor, Shifley, Iafalo. Nemetsnikov in the middle of Perfetti and Ehlers. One of the other stories to, to watch is, um, and again, Rick Bonus was calling the shots. I'm not sure if uh, Arnie will handle things differently, uh, but we didn't see a lot of Cole Perfetti in the tied game in the end of the third period in overtime. Um, but Perfetti's with uh, Ehlers, Nemetsnikov in the middle, uh, and Appleton and Iafalo have switched spots. So it's Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton. And uh, as somebody mentioned in chat, the KGB line of Kupari, Gustafson, and Morgan Barron. And I'll tell you what, Reem, I, I, I know we didn't spend a lot of time on this yesterday. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't kind of dig into the numbers. But just from the eye test of being in that building, I thought that fourth line through the second and third period when they were out really, really handled things well. And Rasmus Kapari is just a guy that makes things happen. I think Morgan Barron's playing really well, and David Gustafson's making the most of his opportunity right now getting in the lineup. Um, and that's a good thing because, you know, with a lot of uncertainty about some of the lines up at the top, to be able to have a fourth line that can go over the boards and, uh, you know, earn the trust of the coach, that's a very, very good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I think those guys have been great, um, you know, over the course of this last little bit. Basically, Gustafson getting into the lineup after the really unfortunate injury uh, to Gabriel Velarde last week. Yeah, and talk about Rasmus Kupari uh, has, you know, making an impact. You see him on the forecheck. I don't know if you saw this. It came out yesterday. NHL <laughs> announcing these edge stats from the player track. I think they got a chip in the jerseys, and they finally released all these numbers. And, you know, they have, what, skating distance, skating speed, shot speed, shot location, zone time. And I think it surprised just about anyone who follows the NHL that when they tracked skating speed, the max speed anyone has reached this season, led by Winnipeg Jets forward Rasmus Kupari at 23.95 miles per hour. That's ahead of... I mean, that's 0.4 miles per hour ahead of Marty Natchez, ahead of Rowenski, ahead of Kempe, ahead of Point. uh, Who's in there? Byfield, Sanderson, Athanasiu, McKinnon. So, I mean, anyone can go fast in a straight line, but how fast can you go in an actual game? And and you saw it, I think, in that, uh, what was it, that game against Florida where he had the forecheck and set up Barron for the goal. He's had a couple uh, breakaways. Uh, You know, he's looked good, so... Um, we like what we've seen, and here's some numbers us showing just how fast Rasmus Kupari is. Incredible. 
Uh, maybe it's the WST bump. We went down last week. Yes. Sat down with him for the first time. Guy's playing his ass off right now and is the current speed demon of the National Hockey League. He has been great so far this season. What an addition he has made. I think he was a guy that people didn't really know too much about other than he was a first-round pick. Um, and I think some people thought that he was a bit of a throw-in in the trade, that the target was really for Velarde and Alex Iafalo. Rasmus Kapari has been anything but a throw-in in this deal so far. Uh, but back to the top line, it's Alex Iafalo that is moving up and did move up and you know played the majority of Saturday night with Connor and Shifley. And of course, has been a big part of the power play so far, the PP1 so far. Um, here's Scott Arneal on uh, the move of Iafalo and his fit with 55 and 81. Alex is, he's a guy that in LA has played with sort of all over Swiss Army nice playing different situations and he's played with top lines before and just felt the other night that we, uh, McDavid and Drysaddle were coming over the boards every time and it, no, no shot against Apple or anything like that. It was just more that when we had the puck there that, you know, Alex has a pretty good idea what he needs to do with it and what those uh, Scheif and KC are doing and um, like I said, he's had experience up there and we'll just keep it as is for now. All right, so there's Scott Arneal talking about, uh, you know, the move of Iafalo up to line one and uh, what he brings to the table. Um, and we'll look for uh, more good things because, I mean, with Velarde, that line looked as good as it had in a long, long time with Shifley and Connor. Um, but obviously a little bit tougher with Appleton and what he brings to the table playing in that role. But um, I think Alex Iafalo, you know, once he gets a little more used to playing these players, um, could be a guy that brings a lot of what Gabriel Velarde did to that line with that great start. The other guy, Remus, that we have to mention, and Scott O'Neill talked about, was Josh Morrissey. And, you know, I remember our conversations going into the season, and we were talking about what could we expect from the Jet Blue line. I think everyone agreed that 44 was going to be the guy that was continuing to log big minutes. Um, and coming out of that breakout season where he eclipsed 70 points, where would Josh Morrissey end up? And I know the betting line, I think, was 56 and a half. That was one of our favorite overs. And again, it all depends on whether a player can stay healthy. Uh, but there was Josh again, front and center, all in on Saturday night uh, against the top players on Edmonton throughout the game and then assisting on Mark Shifley's winning goal. Um, and here's just another clip from Scott O'Neill on Josh Morrissey following up his breakout season with another great start for Winnipeg. He had a great breakout year last year, and you know I think he's uh, all summer long. He talked about you know doing it again, repeat it, repeating it. And he knows how hard it is to do too because he has a big target on him. Um, I thought um, you know, and he actually we talked about it the other day that he felt that he was pushing it, he was jumping at the wrong times, he was you know trying some things maybe that wasn't the time or the place for it. I thought the other night against Edmonton was without a doubt his best game, and uh, you know not only did he score a goal, made a great play on the overtime goal, had some great other looks for him, but he went against McDavid and Drysaddle the whole game, and that's another challenge, and that's the big thing we talked about this summer. You want to go to the next level that we know what you can do offensively. Offensively, it's also doing it defensively, and that's the challenge that he wants to be out against the other team's best players every night. And, and listen, as much as um, you know, we all correctly showered a lot of praise on Connor Hellebuck for the way that he stood up after that early two goals by the Edmonton Oilers, um, I think that, you know, Arnie nailed it. I mean, the uh, the challenge that he had, Josh, I was speaking of, playing against Dreisaitl and McDavid all game, um, 
you know, it, it, it's often, Remo, the, the goals and the assists and the, you know, the, the, the OT winner. I mean, that's what ends up on the highlight reel. But when you go back and break up the tape, it's all the little things and the defensive work that Josh Morrissey did that allowed the Jets to even be in the position to get back into the game and ending up winning it in the extra frame. Yeah, it was just a, a great game all around. They cleaned up the play and see Phyllis commenting in chat. Uh, J-Mo with, you know, some beautiful passing in that game. You know, makes it so much easier for the forwards. You can do clean breakouts. And you saw his compete and his battle when he's going head-to-head there with McDavid and uh, took him out. Us, uh, eliminated him from from overtime. I mean, I don't think it was intentional. It's just two guys battling for a puck. But uh, Morrissey was certainly up to the challenge there on Saturday. And the Jets need him to be uh, the number one D-man and follow up that breakout year he had last year. Yeah, and uh, he is uh, playing with Dylan DeMello, who for my uh, money, I think, rebounded pretty well from uh, a tough game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, he had that one giveaway that, you know, you know, just mishandling the puck that turned into, um, you know, that goal that really kind of, you know, set Vegas, got gave Vegas back in a game that the Winnipeg Jets were, um, I think for the majority of it, the better, uh, the better of them. But um, he seems to be a, a perfect yin to the yang of Josh Morrissey, Dylan Pionk together, and uh, Nate Schmidt remains in the lineup. He came back in after Logan Stanley played the game against the Vegas Golden Knights, he'll be playing with um, with Dylan Sandberg. And there was some speculation that maybe, I know I heard KNR talk about it after the Vegas game, that maybe it would be time for Declan Chisholm to get into uh, into the mix. I didn't think that Saturday night in, uh, in Edmonton was probably the place to do that, considering the guys um, that Todd McClellan would be able, or uh, Jay Woodcroft, I should say, would be able to throw over the boards, especially with last change. But now that Schmidt is in, um, you know, I think it's his position to lose, and we'll hear from Arnie in a minute on, on that. But considering where the Jets are going, a yeah, very good Detroit Detroit team. You've got the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. If they do make a change at some point in the next week, uh, I would think that maybe the next man up is going to be Declan Chisholm to make his uh, season debut. That being said, it won't be tonight. Samberg and Schmidt that final pair. Um, here's a little bit more from Arnie. He spoke the today after the morning skate, looking ahead to this Blues game. Before we get to Barney on the Blues, um, he was asked if he if they were able to eliminate the soft plays that Rick Bonus was a little bent about after the loss to Vegas on Thursday night. Here's what Arneal had to say on that. Yeah, I, I think we really did. I think obviously the first 10 minutes was a little... Uh, a little off, but uh, I thought we got back to it. We had talked a lot about, you know, 29 and 97 for Edmonton. They transitioned like crazy, and if you turned pucks over, if you didn't do hard plays, that you know they they could get going in the opposite direction. And uh, it happened to us, and you know, against Vegas, a little bit against LA, and you give good players, uh, you know, off turnovers or you know soft plays, you give them space to work. You're gonna, you know, they're gonna make you pay for it usually. So I thought in Edmonton we did a really good job of forcing them to go back and get pucks, make it harder on them um, having to play under under pressure. All right, so there's uh, Arnie with his thoughts on uh, you know how they improved from Thursday to Saturday night. Now, of course, it's Tuesday, a weird start time, 7.45, as we've talked about, part of this 16-game slate in the NHL with staggered starts starting at 5 p.m. our time. Uh, and the visitors of the St. Louis Blues. The Blues come in. 
at 2-1-1 one one on the season. Uh, they just finished up a three-game homestand, a couple wins, a 6-2 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and the Blues are a team that is looking to make a big comeback from last year after bowing out and missing the playoffs. Um, here's what Arnie has to say about the visitors tonight and the challenge that St. Louis brings into Canada Life Centre for the Jets. Yeah, I think they're, you know, they're trying to implement some younger players in their lineup too, but, you know, they've lost some key players, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, some of those guys that have been there a while. But at the same time, um, Craig Brewery's teams are going to, you know, they're going to play heavy games. You know, they're going to make you work for every space, every inch in space out there. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to also play that way. And I thought last year, especially early in the season, I think it was game six or seven, <clears throat> they were on a roll and, we got into the game here and we beat them and just for the fact it was that we played heavy and we played hard and you know we, we, we did a lot of the right things and uh, certainly helped us have success so um, like I said uh, you know they, they're going to play a certain way and we got to make sure that we're ready to go for that style. All right so uh, there you have uh, Scott Arneal on the St. Louis Blues. I'm just going to pull up the uh, the Blues lineup right now because it's a little different than you know what we've thought of this team in the past. Of course, Ryan O'Reilly is no longer there, uh, and they're really leaning on the young players that really didn't produce at all last year after signing those monster eight-year extensions. And I'm speaking of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. They're the offensive catalysts of this club. Um, they both have big spots on the power play. Um, and they're going to be with Brandon Sad on that top line. Shen, Kasperi Kapanen, and Pavel Bushnevich, who I believe is a game-time decision, is uh, the line number two. And then uh, and then <laughs> your old favorite, Kevin Hayes, Remo, back in Winnipeg, playing with Jacob Vrana and Sammy Blaze. Vrana was, I think, a pretty key pickup. He's had a nice start. A really talented offensive player that, you know, both in his time in Detroit and Washington... I'm not sure was in a great place personally. Uh, it seems like he's in a better spot right now. He's had a nice start to the season. And then um, Oscar Sundquist, who I think is a, a pretty darn good fourth liner with Jake Neighbors. And I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with Alexei Toropchenko, uh, but he's there. And then your defense pairings, Letty and Pareko, Krug and Falk, Marco Scandella and Tyler Tucker. But the guy that we expect to be in net tonight, who um, will certainly be hearing it from the fans that are in attendance is Jordan Bennington, who in a lot of ways has been the emotional leader of the Blues for the last couple seasons. And I'm not sure that's a good thing, considering how unhinged he can get. Yeah, we've seen Jordan Bennington, you know, lose it from time to time, you know, emotionally, but also, uh, you know, from playing. He got so hot in that Stanley Cup final last night. I feel like he hasn't really followed it up. Followed it, up. it almost reminds me of, like, Cam Ward, like a rookie goalie getting hot in the playoffs, and then that's kind of being uh, the peak of his career. I mean, the Blues will certainly take that, but, you know, lately, yeah. I, I agree. He's made more news for, what, like squirting water on people or getting into fights with other teams, and uh, we'll see what it, we'll see what Jordan Bennington we get. You mentioned the Blues. Arneal calls him, what, they uh, got some young guys in there, meaning, hey, they're rebuilding, they're not projected – to make the playoffs, they do have some some players. I think the top line is solid. I don't know if the depth is there. I mean, Kevin Hayes certainly uh, helps them out. I think he's already had a tribute video before. I'm not expecting one, <laughs> one, one for him one for him tonight, but uh, she could be an interesting. I said, what the Blues got kind of throttled by Arizona the other day. That's their loss 
uh, on the year, and Arizona's got been to a nice, a nice start. So we'll see what we get from the Blues here. And yeah, Pavel Buchnevich, game time decisions. That would be big if he's not in the lineup. Yeah, you know, we'll hear actually from Arnie on Bitter uh, and Biddington in a minute, but I just hear, as I mentioned, Nate Schmidt coming back into the lineup last game, staying in the lineup tonight. Here's what Arnie Arnie had to say about uh, Nate Schmidt getting sat out and then coming back into uh, the Jet Blue Corps. Uh, you know what I mean? It was just, you know, he was trying so hard, it seemed like prior to being taken out of the lineup to create stuff to do things, and it was, it was almost like everything he tried kind of backfired on him. And, you know what, sometimes the reset, uh, you know, like he got kind of helped him. I thought he was really good in Edmonton. He, you know, he, he got back for pucks. He made the the first read and made that pass. And, uh, you know, he got up in the rush, which he's known for. And just a real solid game. He got two, he made two real great breakouts where he got hit pretty hard on them afterwards. And, uh, you know, that's part of, you know, being a defenseman and going back and sort of taking a hit to make some plays. And he did, he did a real good job. He bounced back and it was a big factor for us. So there's uh, Arneal with, um, you know, some uh, complimentary words for Nate Schmidt, who, uh, you know, did have a real steady game. And I think just seemed to be a little bit more confident, ironically, after sitting out a game, as uh, Arneal just mentioned. One more from the interim head coach today. We were talking about Jordan Bennington. Bennington has a a knack for losing it. Uh, Sometimes he can be lights out. That certainly is a big reason why there's a Stanley Cup ring in his closet. Um, But... You want to make things difficult for Bennington, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. Here's Arneal on the keys to uh, making it uh, less hospitable for the Blues starting goaltender tonight. Yeah, uh, you know, the biggest thing is traffic, making sure we're making it hard on them. You know, we're not a real good team offensively. We don't have somebody around the front of that net. We can have our motion and our movement, uh, but... You know, bad angle shots with bodies around there crashing the net. Um, you know, we talked at the start of the year about getting greasy goals, getting ugly goals, and those happen in the blue paint and around that blue paint. We've done a better job of it this year. And any good goaltender sees the puck, he's going to make it hard on you. So, you know, we've got to make sure we get bodies there. All right, so there's Jets interim head coach Scott Arneal. Uh, we'll have more on the club with Mike McIntyre, who was down at Canada Life Centre today for the morning skate. He'll join us to tee this one up, coming up in around half an hour or so. Stephen Wino of the AP, though, is going to take us around the National Hockey League, some of the big stories in the league, heading into the Frozen Frenzy. Uh, but, Remo, before we do that, let's take a quick uh, right to IG Field. And um, Bombers are back in practice today, and our pal Ted Wyman giving a bit of an update, a very different look to the Bombers' offense at practice knowing that this game means absolutely nothing to either the Bombers or the Calgary Stampeders. No Zach Caleros, no Nick Dembski, no Jamarcus Hardrick. Um, we knew that Dalton Schoen wouldn't be out there dealing with uh, the ankle injury that has him in a walking boot right now. Drew Richmond in at tackle, Ravi Alston at receiver, and it certainly does look like Drew Brown's going to get another opportunity to show what he can do as a starting quarterback as the guy that will lead this offense into Calgary on the weekend for the final game of the regular season. Yeah, not too many uh, surprises there, but uh, for the Bombers, you know, get a nice week off, get healthy, get rested for the Western final November 11th, and this is such a weird part of the schedule. Again, like Toronto's been doing this for like at least a month straight, including the game uh, here. So, you know, good for those guys who need – Need the rest and get it. And look, it's all about, again, all about whoever they play, you know, BC, we're expecting, or whoever it may be on November 11 here at IG Field. But uh, they do have a game, three games this week, week 21 in the CFL, uh, heading into Calgary. 
They're a six and eleven, and I would think even with Drew Brown, has they're still going to be a bit favorite because Drew Brown. I mean, he's looked pretty good. He's kind of playing for a contract or maybe latch on summer for for a possible starting job. Not sure what his situation is next year, but he's he's looked good when uh, he's been in. Yeah, he certainly has. So uh, we'll obviously be all over the bomber uh, scenarios going into the weekend. Uh, it's all about staying healthy, getting through the final week of the regular season, bye week, and then. November 11th, right here in the peg. Bring it on. The winner of BC and Calgary here in Winnipeg for a trip to the Grey Cup in Hamilton. All right, we're going to go around the league with Stephen Wino in just a second. Got to give a shout-out to David Asplund, who is the latest WS tier that has thrown his hat in the ring to join our Movember team. Of course, Movember, a big month, and uh, you know we need some guys to uh, step up with us and Help us raise some money for men's health along with our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Um, uh, Julian was the first up, uh, Derek Schmidt's in, Leighton Janis, and uh, now we've got Dave as well. I think I might be missing someone off the top of my head. But anyways, we do have room for a few more people. So if you're thinking about having a little fun and growing a stash next month, um, we'll try and uh, get a few incentives for you guys from our friends at Modern Man, and we'll be following the progress all year uh, all month long should be fun getting some of the pictures of the fellas up on Winnipeg Sports Talk on the live stream. Of course, uh, send us an email, by the way. If you're listening on the podcast and you want to join us, we'd love to get a few more folks involved. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com for that. Let us know and uh, get ready to grow those stashes for the month of November. Of course, Modern Man Barbershop, big supporters of, of Movember and the men's health movement. Eight locations in Winnipeg, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. And uh, Modern Man Barbershop's got a variety of grooming services. Everything you need, fellas. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment for any of the eight locations. Uh, Pool season's over. We might be getting some snow soon. But uh, hey, if you're thinking about a plan or a pool or taking the plunge next year, the experts at Aquatech will help you get on that and be ready for summer. Um, but whole home renovations also start with Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And uh, yes, that special weather statement continues to get updated. Looks like we're gonna be getting snow. It might even stick. It's definitely getting colder. Uh, you got to be ready for winter, folks. And uh, that means making sure your battery is going to get your car or truck through the uh, Winnipeg winter. Manitoba Battery is the place to go. A great locally owned business featuring the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores, and the best service as well. If you go to manitobabattery.com, check out all the batteries available for you. And Donnie and his gang will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It is just that easy. Manitobabattery.com. Give them a call at 783-8787. Donnie and his great staff will help you out that way. Or pop in and see them in person if you're around at 1026 Logan Avenue. And again, it's manitobabattery.com. And listen, the CC is going to be flowing at IG Field, as we all know, on November 11th. Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. But for you whiskey lovers, keep your eyes out right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, 
because the exclusive Canadian Club Invitation Series is out. The 15-year-old Sherry Cask is available in a limited one-time release right now, $79.99 at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Again, the entire Canadian Club family is available at MLCC locations and, of course, you can also pick up Canadian Club and Ginger Ale in cans there and at uh, your local beer store as well. All right, let's uh, get ready for a huge night in the National Hockey League. And it's always great to welcome NHL AP reporter Stephen Weiner to the program. Weiner, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on WSD. Great to talk to you, Hustler. This is, uh, this is a big one tonight. Um, you know, you're, you've got a great pulse on the league. Give us a bit of an idea about the background of this Super Tuesday with 16 games and the idea behind staggering the games every 15 minutes for the first time ever in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and this is only the second time I think this is this has happened in the NHL that all six all thirty two teams have played since the league went to thirty two teams, and, and that was a Saturday in in March April last year. Uh, and I think that's ultimately would be the plan I think moving forward of doing one of these on a Saturday in February when there's not a whole lot of other sports going on. But what they what the NHL and ESPN really wanted to do was sort of a, an NFL red zone style thing with hockey, and 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 that's what they're getting with the staggered start times and. There's been a lot of complaints over the years from hockey fans watching games on television that every game starts at puck drop, whatever, 7.08 local time, whatever it is, and that every game goes to intermission at the same time. So you don't really have the chance to kind of flip around and watch multiple games. What ESPN really wanted to do in the States was give a chance to, to whip around like Scott Hansen does on, on NFL Red Zone. And it, it's going to be interesting and, and almost a challenge for producers to figuring out where to go. Obviously, you're going to see – every goal of the night and that sort of thing. But power plays, when when Connor Bedard's on the ice, when Alex Ovechkin's on the ice against Austin Matthews, and how they kind of flip around and show all these games as they're staggered, starting with, with Capitals Leafs at 6 o'clock and going to Flyers in Vegas at 11 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a re- is it ESPN? Were they sort of the driving force behind this? Yeah, they were. And, and, and the, the red zone thing is something that, NHL Network in the, in the States has also obviously done sort of the NHL tonight, kind of being able to, to do live look-ins and such. This is going to be a kind of full whip around of, of flipping to, as the NFL Red Zone does, where you're going to show every touchdown, that you're going to basically show every goal and, and kind of see how it works in hockey. You know, I mean, it does seem like it's a bit of a dry run. And again, on a local level, the only difference is that, well, for instance, we normally go and drop the puck just after 7 o'clock here in the peg. Today, it's a 745 start. And as you mentioned, these 15-minute staggered times. But it will give an opportunity to kind of get the end of each game in. And uh, John Bucigras, who, of course, has been synonymous with hockey, even when ESPN was out of the NHL game, seems like Bucci's going to be sort of at the uh, at the control. He will be our Scott Hansen, if you will, if you're uh, tuning in uh, in that fashion tonight. Yeah, he, he's the guy, and, and, and along with Kevin Weeks. And so you're going to have the, 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 the kind of one of the voices of hockey for ESPN for a long time in Butcher Gross, and uh, obviously a former goalie who's become one of the voices of, of hockey in, in the U.S. and Kevin Weeks. And and that's it, it. Really, I am fascinated to see how they handle this because I remember something that, that, that coaches have said for a long time. There's so many shifts in hockey that nothing happens, right? Like you have important moments. You never know when the big goal of the game might be. But there's also shifts where nothing happens. So to, to kind of keep the action going, even when there's 16 games, will be what I'm most interested in watching. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I was just talking with Dustin Nielsen on the lock shop about how this was going to work. I mean, listen, I mean, unfortunately, McDavid's not playing because he was injured, of course, against the Jets on Saturday night. Um, but you know that if the Oilers on the power play, that's probably getting on the main screen and, you know, some of those other players. But I think the other thing that they probably will definitely try to do is focus even for a small amount of time on some teams that don't normally get a lot of coverage on a station like ESPN. Um, and I would imagine a team like Winnipeg going up against, uh, like, listen, Winnipeg's not getting a lot of nationally televised games in the States. Um, but if some good things happen here in the peg in that game in between St. Louis and Winnipeg, um, fans south of the border and those that are watching on the Sportsnet Plus here in, in Canada might get a chance to see a little bit more of a team like the Jets that might norm- not normally be on their radar. Right, and 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 to see players like Mark Scheifele who are stars, and and to I'm I'm looking at the the Adam Fant- it should have been Adam Fantilli against look uh, against uh, Leo Carlson that an Anaheim Columbus sort of game too that. The NHL always talks about wanting to market players and stars more, and and it's it's so tough in a in a sport where from age you put on skates, you're told that you don't matter more than your teammates and that sort of thing, right? So when you're you have big markets usually featured in situations like this, you're right. Now you can now feature more star players. You can say, okay, we're going to go to this Columbus Anaheim game. We're going to go to the St. Louis. Winnipeg game and be able to showcase guys a whole lot of fans don't see a lot of and 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 that's whether it's in in the states teams like Winnipeg or in Canada teams like Columbus and, and Anaheim where you're not getting a whole lot of publicity or, or, or national television and if you don't have the center ice package the the kind of national TV to want to watch all these games you don't get a chance to, to watch a whole lot of these guys play and highlight shows are, are, are one thing but to see something happen live that's why sports are the greatest entertainment on earth because you're never no two games are ever the same well and speaking of sports I mean it is a crazy sports night yes. because we've got game seven between the Phillies and the D-backs. Um, and it's NBA opening night with two very premier games on it. Um, the timing of this, you know, we've heard some people saying, why the heck are they doing it on a Tuesday? Do that on a Saturday. Listen, ESPN is behind this, and college football <laughs> owns Saturdays on ESPN, so that was a non-starter. But do you think that if the product is good, if they get good reaction, this is something, and I think you sort of alluded to this earlier, Stephen, that you know, in future seasons, they might line things up so we can have a Super Saturday or so after the football season, which would be right in the sweet spot of the National Hockey League as they get closer to that push to the playoffs. Yeah, Hustler, for sure. And and, and I think that one of the ideas was to trial run this in October, early in the year. And, and I know there's a lot of complaints in the U.S. about having kind of to compete with the NFL and with college football and, and just kind of the crowded sports schedule. It's, it's great because you've got all four sports going at once now. But the ideal situation for a, for something like this would be a Saturday in February, a Sunday in February, March, where there's not a whole lot of other live sports going on. The NFL season's over. College football is not going on. Maybe you've got some college basketball going on. But to have a, a kind of stage to yourself. And, and this is this is a way in, in, in some ways to kind of force hockey onto a crowded stage of the NBA has opening night. Obviously, we don't know if there's going to be a game seven in the NLCS, but there is. Uh, and but to now take this and say, okay, let's experiment with it on Tuesday in October and perfect this and make it something that fans can look forward to. Because I think a lot of fans who weren't aware of this when the schedule came out are now over the last few days and kind of the media buzz about it, knowing it's happening. And so once you have fans kind of expecting this, it, it, that's where when you have the stage to yourself in the in the late winter, early spring, it makes a lot more sense. Stephen Wino with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Wino, one of the other 
big stories that probably didn't have to be one. To be honest, it was probably quite unnecessary. Um, is was this ban on the pride tape? And we saw Travis Dermott being, uh, you know, wearing some of it, not necessarily on his blade, but on his stick, making a bit of a statement as that he is an ally. There was a lot of players that talked a lot about it. He was the only one that actually did it. Um, but now it seems like the NHL has reversed course on this. To give us a little bit of the background on, first of all, why they did it in the first place and why we've seen a 180 on this uh, latest bit of news. Yeah, this is a, a controversy that, that has come up really since Ivan Provorov refused to, to go into warm-ups for the Flyers last year when they were wearing the Pride-themed uniforms, and then five other players kind of joined him in that. And, and then the league took a step that, that I, and I know upset a lot of people, and I, I understand where their thinking came from of not doing any of the jerseys on the ice because it was taking away from, okay, now you got to watch to see which player's not going to come on the ice and that sort of thing. And, and, and it was kind of, it put, it put the spotlight on the wrong things. But to go the extra step further, and initially they were trying not to let players be involved in any of these causes uh, and, and not, have, not, not kind of make force players, for lack of a better term, to be part of some of these theme nights that, that may be against what they want to do or feel obligated to do. And then all of a sudden you came up with, with the, okay, Players can do it off the ice, and then there's no pride tape on the ice, which didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense from an individual kind of choice standpoint because as much as this was a ban, what was the league going to do? What was the league going to do to Travis Dermott or to to Scott Lawton or to Morgan Riley or any of these players who wanted to do this? It's not like it is any kind of rule that you can suspend or fine someone for. So it really does feel like common sense prevailed of let players have the option to do this. You're not making pride tape mandatory. You're not making – pink tape for, for, for hockey fights, cancer mandatory, but you're giving players the option to do what they want and to express their beliefs on the ice. And, and, and if players don't want to do that and do their regular stick tape, then that's on them. But this is, this is something that I think the players association felt very strongly about that players want to be able to do these things. Why shouldn't that, you know, you know I, I will admit, and I mean, maybe it's because, you know, I, I'm here in Winnipeg and we've seen some really, really creative, um, and positive theme nights here. I mean, uh, we've got a massive Filipino community. They did an event last year with an absolutely awesome uh, warm-up jersey. They did the same thing for the uh, the, uh, the South Asian community. And, I mean, they've done it for Pride Night a number of years, and nobody said a damn thing about it. I mean, it's not like they just started Pride Nights last year in the National Hockey League, and all of a sudden it was an issue. Why do you think this happened last year? Is this just a sign of the times as to how... Uh, you know how extreme certain sides are getting on, on on both, and it ended up being more problematic in 2023 than it had in the previous 10 years when these games were being celebrated throughout the league year after year after year. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was a perfect storm of events. Actually, that that, that all of a sudden you have a, a war in Ukraine where Russian players have either feel like or or, or have feel like the pressure is on them to to act in a certain way and you have that and Ivan Provorov who would not wear that pride jersey was the first time the Flyers had worn a, a pride jersey in warm-ups and and I know a lot of teams had done pride nights without the jerseys being kind of being worn like they would auction off the jerseys all these sort of things but they wouldn't actually wear them on the ice so you have the idea of 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 the Flyers kind of opening of floodgates on okay Ivan Provorov says he's not going to do it and then the New York Rangers, who were originally going to wear pride jerseys, decide not to. The Minnesota Wild, who originally decided that, decided not to. And players felt empowered, whether it was the Stalls, James Reimer, a handful of other Russian players, 
to not wear it. And so it became more of a story that they weren't wearing it. And, and then that's where the leak comes in and says, okay, well, we don't want this to be a headline every time someone doesn't wear a, a uniform. And when this pride tape ban first happened, while a whole lot of, well, most people I've talked to around hockey didn't understand why it happened. The one positive would have been, okay, now you get to watch and see which guys actually defy the ban. We got to see Travis Dermott do it in a game. You got, you, you, you get to see maybe Scott Lawton do it on, on Flyers pride night, but it almost brought enough awareness. And, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk of the Capitals, I, I asked him about this, uh, last week or a week and a half ago. And he said, maybe this is going to spur guys to do more things off the ice. Maybe it's going to cause them to be louder on social media, to, to make their voices heard louder with this. And now that players are allowed to do it, I think you're going to see more players doing it outside of just pride nights and kind of bringing more attention to it during pride nights. <laughs> I will, I will agree. I will agree with you that by Banning it, it made it far more of a big deal and way more people were talking about it. If nothing had ever happened and you had a few guys that were putting it on, I think it would have been a blip. Um, so anyways, I, I still do hope that they can find some common ground because I thought it was a little cowardly, frankly, by the league just to cancel everything um, because there had been so much good done by so many of these. And, you know, and listen, if teams or players had some issues with one particular night i would have loved it to be handled on a on a case-by-case basis um but again there was a lot of blowback for uh, for players that you know for whatever reason had their had their reasons for not doing it but it was interesting that i mean a number of those players last year that were involved in this conversation had already been doing it years before and it was just weird how all of a sudden now this was a big issue that wasn't an issue in the past yeah, and and the Lee, and this is such a hockey, and I'm gonna say low, lower, lowercase C conservative of how the league acts in situations like this. Of they're allergic to controversy. They don't want anything that stands in the way of the actual sport and and kind of something that, as Gary Bettman said, has been a distraction in a negative way that took away from, as you said, a lot of the the, the good things that have happened in the community. And it's like, how do you toe the line of 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 what is going to be not causing it to be a negative headline, but also welcoming people into the sport. Because at the end of the day, the whole thing about this pride tape has been that members of the LGBTQ plus community want to feel welcome in hockey and hockey should be wanting to welcome in everyone. And, and that is one of the, the things that, that made specifically the pride on pride tape, the ban on pride tape, such a, a, a unpopular decision among players, Brian Burke, pointed out that it was a surprising and, and unsettling setback that it really made it look like hockey really isn't for everyone. And, and so to th- this brings the issue at least full circle. And one of the things I remember folks pointing out last year is it does show uh, how much society has involved, had evolved that players not wanting to wear this and 99% of players in the league wanting to wear these jerseys kind of showed the evolution of, of how Far this sport had gotten but that progress is not a straight line and 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 with something like this it's the league and, and the players and, and everybody involved kind of finding their level of what can we do to be as supportive as possible and be as welcoming and inclusive as possible and you hope that in years coming that the pride jerseys come back the hockey fights cancer jerseys come back the military appreciation jerseys all of these things that even the saint patrick's day jerseys all of these that eventually these gets phased back in as you start kind of going through the ebbs and flows of, of this argument for lack of a better word no doubt um why don't there's been a lot of talk about the draft coming up and we haven't confirmed where it's going to be next year um there's been a lot of speculation even back to nashville that it was going to be in las vegas 
but now we're hearing they're talking about a decentralized draft. Um, first of all, what does that mean and why are they considering it? Because honestly, I mean, as someone, and I know you've been there year after year after year, the draft every year is really the true convention of the National Hockey League with your executives, your scouts, um, the new players coming into the league's agents. There's so much that goes on at that. Why are they even considering going away from that? And what would it look like if it does? Well, it's about cost more than anything else. And and and, and it, it has seemed like Vegas has been the target for next year's draft. But then you've got a UFC event happening in T-Mobile Arena and so many other things happening around Vegas to where what's the location, maybe the minor league rink where the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League play, uh, of trying to figure out where is the best place to have something like this. Uh, but the, 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 the decentralizing is similar to what the NBA and, and NFL do, where you have prospects, a certain amount of prospects and league officials in one place. And then you have all the teams kind of staying at home and working the phones, doing that stuff instead of being on the draft floor. And I hate the idea. I, I hate the idea of a decentralized draft. I'm with you. I th- It's a convention that I would, would rather the league go the other way. Like our colleague Pierre Lebrun has been suggesting for years of move free agency up to the end of June ahead of Canada day and have everybody there, have all the top free agents. Imagine Steven Stamkos next year, if he's a free agent and he's there getting wooed by teams in Las Vegas and, and taken to Haleo for dinner or whatever it is. And, and just kind of what the spectacle of that might be to have free agent announcements happening, guys putting on jerseys for the first time, the decentralizing of the draft goes the other way of teams staying home. And I'm not sure there's a, a whole lot of agreement from NFL, NHL teams on this, but I sure hope it gets voted down. What um, uh, do you have a, uh, I mean, a sense of where it's going? I mean, I, I immediately thought too. I mean, this I guess does come down to cost, but I mean, you can you can save some money, but I think you're also missing out on, I mean, everything from the media opportunities. And and I think the NHL has done a very good job. Anyone that's been to one of the drafts in the last ten years, I mean, it is a big big event for the city. Um. It's huge for the teams. It's huge for the players. Um, And I get there would be significant cost savings, but I do wonder what the other side of that would be for what the NHL has been building for a long time come around the draft. Yeah, and it's a philosophical shift of whether you go to a decentralized draft or even maybe you go back to holding it in Montreal every year. Like that, that was that draft in Montreal was spectacular, where everybody, including the fans, were into it. Nashville, not as great of a kind of a crowd among fans, still a great spectacle. But how do you kind of how do you mix the let's have this be an exciting fan event? And also things happen like there were no major trades happening during the first round of the draft in Nashville. It, it was rather from outside of the drafting players perspective, a very boring, uneventful draft. And I think this is where it came from is you're saving money, but also it's so loud on the draft floor that you have to text message and all of this to, to get deals done anyway. And if GMs and, and teams think it's more productive to get things done at home, that's where it's at. It just makes it a whole heck of a lot less exciting. Stephen Wino's with us. Wino, before we go, um... You know, there's been some big signings um, at the beginning of the season, maybe none bigger than the Thanksgiving Day bomb that Kevin Sheveldayoff dropped here with Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck signing identical seven-year extensions. What was your reaction to that? And now that you know we're a couple you know weeks removed from it, um, what do you think that does for the Winnipeg Jets and the message that it sends both within the market here and elsewhere that top players like that would stay taking the exact same amount of money to do it? Yeah, it's a reversal from everything we expected, especially when Blake Wheeler was bought out. Like, I thought at that point, this was Kevin Sheveldayoff and the organization going into the, we need a, a, not a rebuild, but a resetting of 
what this locker room looks like. And, and obviously kind of the locker room lack of chemistry over the years has been a, a big storyline around the Jets. To know that Mark Scheifele is part of this leadership group moving forward and to know that Connor Hellebuck is going to be backstopping this team moving forward shows that they're still in the mix and and and, and in a, a central division that is very unpredictable. We don't know what the Blues are going to look like. Beyond the Avalanche and the Stars, we don't know who the playoff teams in this division are that – it says, look, this this is a team that's going to try to win, and Lord knows the league needs that building to get to be full every night at, at sixteen thousand, uh, just to, to be able to kind of support a, a team in that market, and to have Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck around, along with Nikolai Ehlers and Josh Morrissey, and the rest of that core, it means they're going to be in a mix for a playoff spot for years to come. Well, we'll uh, look forward to this one tonight. Uh, Jets and Blues coming up at 745. Go get your 16-game parlay ready to go for tonight, and uh, <laughs> we'll do this again soon. Thanks for jumping on, as always, Wino. Great to talk to you. Enjoy the frenzy. Talk to you later. Good stuff. There's Stephen Wino. Give him a follow on Twitter, at SWino, and um, you can continue to read his work for the AP in the publications all around North America. Uh, we're going to focus back in on the Jets with Mike McIntyre coming up in just a minute. Don't forget tonight, 7.45. Puck drop for the Jets and Blues. Uh, and then the Jets are back at it after a couple games on the road next Monday, which I'm sure will have a Halloween theme against Blake Wheeler and the New York Rangers. Of course, you can get tickets um, at winnipegjets.com. Um, also, I know there's been a lot of talk about folks that have uh, maybe had tickets lapse. If you are thinking about uh, a ticket package, get in touch with the Jets. I know they've got smaller packages as well. And um, would always love to get people in some more seats to try and get this building back to where uh, they and the uh, the team needs it to be. Um, let me give a big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca, fully shoppable website. Fully shoppable website, and when you order online, you can get same-day local delivery if you order by 11 a.m., and right now get a free gift from Vita Health for any order, of online order of $100 or more at myvita.ca. And hey, if you're stressed these days, Get on down and try Health First Ashwagandha Supreme, known for its stress-lowering effects, including mental stress, anxiety, cortisol levels, and even stress-related food cravings. It's on sale all month at Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Of course, Wallace & Wallace are the fencing experts in town. You know that. I've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. But did you know they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors? And that overhead garage door of yours had lots of ups and downs this summer, getting you and your family to all that summer fun. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts way more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that's Wallace & Wallace. And hey, uh, guys, uh, snow's coming. The holidays, if you can believe it, are just around the corner. How's the closet looking? If you are looking in and realize you might need to step up your menswear game, there's only one place to go in Winnipeg, and that, of course, is F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. They've got custom suits beginning at $400, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And hey, 
If you are getting married or in a wedding party coming up, make sure to talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right, let's welcome in our pal Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press as we get ready for the 745 puck drop. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Doing really well, us, and fingers crossed with the 745 puck drop. What we don't want to happen tonight is overtime or a shootout because um, traditional newspaper deadlines with a 7.45 p.m. start. Uh, Let's just say that uh, I will be hammering out my copy right up to the final buzzer, and I'm hoping the final buzzer is just a shade past 10 and not a moment later. Naturally, though, that means there probably is going to be overtime, and not only a shootout, probably like a 16-round special uh, that, uh, that goes for... 20 minutes or so, and has me wanting to hurl my computer from my press box perch. Uh, you can almost bank on that happening. It's usually the McIntyre way, I find. <laughs> well, uh, I, normally I would say bring on the free hockey. Yes. Um, but this is a big Central Division matchup, and <laughs> regulation wins are Clean wins, key. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll begrudgingly go along with your request tonight um, for uh, for this game. Hey, listen, before we talk about the game and the Jets and everything, I mean, the big story around uh, Winnipeg since the announcement yesterday morning is the leave of absence for Rick Bonus. Um, I mean, you've been down there the last couple of days, Mike. I mean, just fill us in a little bit on, uh, you know, how this has affected the team, what you've heard from people, and, um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, Rick Bonus, their leader, won't be around for the foreseeable future, uh, but the team in very capable hands with Scott O'Neill. Yeah, and, you know, Rick Bonus is the one who frequently refers to the Jets as a family, right? He, he talks about that uh, on in many ways. He talks, you know, when, when something happens on the ice, you know, the whole, you come at one of us, you come at all of us, and... That's kind of been one of Rick Bonus's favorite sayings uh, in, the, in the year and a bit that he's been around the Jets here. Um, but also, and I, I got a sense of this, I wrote a piece a few weeks ago in training camp, Huss, where I talked to a bunch of Jets players just about that family atmosphere that Rick Bonus creates. And, and what I heard from the players, it, it's not just Rick Bonus, it's Judy Bonus as well. A um, bunch of players told me, you know, Dylan DeMello, Morgan Barron, how Judy Bonus, uh, she goes out of her way, too, to make players feel welcome. Things like, you know, sending birthday greetings when it when it's uh, their special day, um, you know, asking about their families and, uh, other, you know, children's when kids are born and milestones with the kids, that sort of thing. And so you really get the sense that it, it's kind of the bonus way. And in fact, I remember talking to Tyler Sagan in Dallas last season, uh, our first visit into Dallas after Rick Bonus had been hired. And Tyler Sagan referred to Rick Bonus as a father-like figure to him, but again, mentioned Judy Bonus and how, you know, nurturing and loving and caring she is. So, you know, I think what we've seen here in the last day and a half, certainly there was some shock yesterday morning down at practice uh, with news that Judy had suffered a seizure on Sunday night. And was hospitalized and undergoing further testing. 
um, because it really does feel to the Jets players, the organization, like it's a family member who um, is is not in a good way right now. So, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of concern, but I also get a sense that there's a real feeling of, well, let's go out and and kind of be our best. Let's let's let Rick Bonus worry about you know Judy and and his family. Uh, let's go out and show him our love and support in the way that we can, which is to play some good hockey. So, you know, almost a rallying point of sorts for the Jets is kind of what I'm hearing. Uh, we'll see how they come out tonight, but for sure, Haas, it's uh, it's very much front and center on everyone's minds with the organization. Of course, the Jets did get a a bit of a taste of not having their coach behind the bench at the very beginning of last season when Rick himself was stricken with COVID and, and actually had some pretty significant symptoms at the time. Um, and so, you know, they, they've had a scenario like this where Scott Arneal is, is leading things behind the bench. They are for sure in good hands, uh, but certainly a lot of concern around the team and, um, you know, just echoing what so many have said, uh, obviously, uh, hoping and wishing for the best here for Judy and Rick and their whole family. Um, Mike, I, I know the Jets, and, and listen, you, you were respecting uh, the family and, you know, this this situation. We heard from Scott Arneal earlier today in the program saying that, you know, it's serious and, you know, everyone, you know, first and foremost, just hoping for a, a full and speedy recovery. Do you have any concept of how long they might be preparing to be without their head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're obviously with testing that's going on, which may determine kind of what exactly they're looking at here. Um, I, I can say we didn't ask today kind of as a follow-up to yesterday yeah. for any timeline. Um, you know, the Jets, they're going to, they're actually not skating tomorrow, Haas. They're going to fly out tomorrow morning uh, to Detroit ahead of that two-game road trip. I, I would not expect Rick Bonus will will be at, at either of these two road games. And they come back, of course, for the one game, the Blake Wheeler game next Monday. And then it's back on the road for three more and a West Coast trip. You know, you know, the, obviously the best scenario would be that that everything is is quickly um, OK. And and, you know, that would be ideal. I just don't know that that's going to be the case. And I don't know that the team has any real sense of whether we're talking you know, a, a game or two or three or something beyond that. Um, uh, you know, we may get more of an update here in the coming days and, and quarter, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I am wondering if the Jets at some point, and we didn't see anyone on the ice today from the Moose organization, but I do wonder if there's potentially they would look to bring a Moose coach up. Um, if the feeling that this is going to be more than just maybe a game or two, um, we, we might see a scenario where they just want an extra set of eyes, um, you know, and to take some of those other duties because Scott O'Neill now obviously has to focus on some other things than, than he normally would as an associate coach. Um, so we'll see if, you know, the Moose, I think they're flying out tomorrow to Texas uh, while the Jets head east. Um, so could we see, you know, a Moose coach promoted here uh, to kind of fill that, that temporary spot behind the bench? Uh, I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, but we'll see what the coming days uh, deliver. Uh, Mike, you know, looking ahead to these few games, uh, and hopefully it's just a few games that uh, Rick's away from the club, I'm wondering if 
anything really changes. Um, listen, Scott O'Neill did a good job last year, and I mean they got a bunch of positive results while Bones was away. Yeah. Um, but I mean he's now the interim coach. He'll have the final say. He'll be you know making the lines. Listen, we saw a significant line switch up early in the Edmonton game. Uh, Mason Apple didn't have a great start. Lost Darnell Nurse. Uh, and then later on the game took a penalty that you just cannot take against the Edmonton Oilers 200 feet away from your net. Um, and outside of Fallow moved up. I mean, do you think they sort of roll with that status quo or will Arnie have uh, full reign to uh, make decisions as he sees fit to uh, bottom line, try and win hockey games? Yeah, you know, one thing that could be a little different this time uh, as opposed to a year or so ago when Rick Bonus was sidelined with COVID, one thing we heard then, Haas, is Rick Bonus was still very active in communicating. That was, of course, the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, Rick Game Bonus had this grand vision and he wasn't there on opening night to kind of oversee it. But he was very much kind of, even though Scott Arneal was at the helm, I think Rick Bonus, in a way, he was he was kind of coaching from home, right? Um, we heard that he, they were bringing him in on video sessions. Um, I mean, he wasn't in a way that they couldn't have, he couldn't still participate in what was happening. I don't know if that's the case this time around. And I would think, Huss, if you're the Jets, I mean, I'm sure they've told Rick, look, don't worry at all about the hockey team here. Just focus on on Judy and and the rest of the family. So I don't know if Rick Bonus is is going to be, you know, having the same level of communication that he did a year ago when he was laid up with with COVID. That being said, you're right. We saw some in-game changes the other day. Um, the Jets are going to stick with those changes into tonight's game with Alex Ayafalo specifically on that top line. Um, obviously, they got a good result the other night, so not surprising that they're going to stick with kind of how they finished the game as opposed to how they, how they ended it, or, or sorry, how they started it. Um, but you do wonder if, let's just say, the Jets don't have a really good performance tonight um, and, you know, personnel decisions, you know, they don't have a lot of options because of the roster they have. Dominic Toninato is the only extra forward just out from the moose. Logan Stanley, of course, came in for that one game for Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt went back in. And it was interesting, Scott Arneal actually talked today about Nate Schmidt and why he thought Nate Schmidt was really struggling early in the year and how he felt like a reset was maybe the best thing for him. And he saw a lot better version of Nate Smith against the Oilers the other night. You know, do they try and get Declan Chisholm in a game here? I, I have to think that they would like to sooner than later. And, you know, nobody wants to hope for injuries. Certainly the Jets aren't aren't hoping any of their blue liners get, get injured. If they continue to be healthy, do they look for a spot to get Declan Chisholm in a game I suspect that if there was going to be a move at some point, a roster shuffle, it might be Chisholm coming in for one game and it would probably be Nate Schmidt going out. But obviously they hope that Nate Schmidt, you know, can can string together some strong performances and make that a really difficult decision to potentially take him out of the lineup. Um, so, yeah, I think Scott O'Neill may have a little more power than maybe a year ago just because <laughs> of circumstances. Ideally, though, if you're the Jets... You're hoping for good health and good play. And if you get those two things, Huss, uh, you pretty much just keep rolling the lineup as is, right? You know, I, I'm, and I don't know whether you would have an answer to this. Um, of, the, of the relationship between, between Rick and Arnie 
and how they work together. I mean, I think back to the old Moose days when Carlisle was the head coach and Arnie was the assistant. And I mean, it literally was a good cop, bad cop operation. Right. <laughs> I mean, Carlisle was this crusty hard ass that God love him, you know, would get all over guys. Um, and then Arnie really seemed to be the guy behind the scenes that would be one-on-one -on -one with players, sort of lifting them up. And, uh, you know, it created a pretty effective, uh, effective unit. I mean, I think Rick Bonus, from everything that we see, at least on the outside, is is far from Carlisle. He's a good, co he's a good cop too, Huss. <laughs> well, he is too, and I just wonder what the relationship yeah. and how those those guys work together. And you know, if Arnie kind of has to change a little bit um, as the as the head guy, as opposed to his daily role. Although, as an associate coach, I think it's very clear. Although we don't see Scott a lot out in front yes. of the media, that's kind of Rick's job. He's very, very um, intricately involved in decisions, planning, and everything that goes into the coaching gig in the NHL. Well, he is, and, uh, you know, watching practice on a regular basis, Scott O'Neill, yesterday's practice, Huss, wasn't a whole lot different than a normal practice without Rick Bonus because Scott O'Neill normally is very involved in the practice planning and the execution of various drills. In fact, that's one thing Rick Bonus does a lot. He delegates a lot uh, when it comes to practice. Like Brad Lauer will have certain drills that he will explain as he did yesterday and lay out Marty Johnson, same thing. So, you know, Rick Bonus, he, he, I will say this, he runs the team like a democracy. Um, so I think there's a lot of input all, already from all the coaches. And as you say, Scott O'Neill carrying that associate label. Some people may wonder, well, what's the difference? What's what's an assistant versus an associate? Um, not every team has an associate coach. An associate indicates that there's a little more power, a uh, little more responsibility. Um, and that was part of the plan here. I mean, I think a lot of people us thought when the Jets put this coaching staff in place that Scott O'Neill was the next coach in waiting. Rick Bonus who, I mean, he admitted himself, he thought he was probably retiring after you know, leaving the Dallas organization. We know Huss, we don't have to revisit history. He wasn't the original choice. The Jets offered the job to Barry Trotz. Um, Barry ended up turning them down and obviously took a, um, a GM position in Nashville. Uh, but, you know, I think for Rick Bonus, like, look, he's not going to do this forever. And so I think part of the... The mindset here was to bring Scott Arneal in, have him work extremely closely with Rick Bonus, so that you could almost have that seamless transition, um, maybe after a couple seasons. And so that's what may end up happening, right? Rick Bonus, I think there's an option after this year, but we don't know exactly what the future holds uh, for his coaching career beyond this season. And so I think for that reason, this is pretty seamless because Scott O'Neill is already involved in a lot more than maybe your traditional, you know, second in command on a coaching staff would be. I uh, mean, I, I do think to your original point or question has, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. Um, you know, personality wise, I think they're very similar. It, it isn't like the good cop, bad cop. I mean, look, Rick bonus admits he can be a bad cop at times, uh, you know, but he does it in a way that absolutely has the the respect of his players, um, you know, even when he gets on them. And I think Scott O'Neill would be the same way. Like Scott O'Neill, 
Um, he, he, he can be hard when he has to, but I think he does it in a respectful way that players appreciate um, kind of his honesty and his candor. And in that sense, you know, Rick Bonus, Scott O'Neill are, are very much cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And just, you know, one more thing on the coaching situation. Um, I mean, you just mentioned it. I mean, Rick was potentially retiring. He signed a two year deal. I mean, there's a potential he could stay on longer. But when you consider what Arnie did at the beginning of last year and this opportunity for him right here, um, you know, long-term thinking of a successor to Rick Bonus, um, I think there's also really an opportunity for Arnie to prove, you know, particularly within that team, that he can be a guy that can, you know, help lead them to the goals that they're putting out night in and night out and most importantly wins. And, you know, for his potential, if he was going to be a successor, I would suggest that, both what happened last year was a positive, and there's another big opportunity for Arnie to kind of show that he could be the next guy for the Winnipeg Jets if and when Bones moves on. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk all the time about opportunities for players, you know, wh- whether it means moving up the lineup, a guy like uh, you know Mason Appleton had a big opportunity, and one would say he probably didn't, you know, I'm sure he would say he didn't do exactly what he had hoped to do with that opportunity. Alex Iafallo now gets a big opportunity. Um, so we talk about opportunities with players. We don't very often talk about opportunities for coaches. And a lot of that is because, you know, game to game, the coaching staff is pretty static, right, over the course of a year. But you're right. This would be an opportunity. And I know Scott O'Neill certainly wouldn't be looking at it like this. He wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be talking about it like this. But the fact of the matter is this is a, a chance to kind of see what he can do just as they got a little bit of that last year. Well, they're going to get another little bit of it this year to see, you know, what things look like when he's in charge. And there's a lot of responsibilities, Huss. That includes meeting with with us inkstained wretches every single day. And, you know, so there was Scott O'Neill yesterday after practice this morning. He'll meet with us again after the game tonight. That's all part of the duties. You know, he'll hold down media on the road this week. Um, so it's an opportunity for everybody to kind of see what what it looks like with him in charge and for the players to kind of see him in a, maybe a bit different light as well. And sure, I mean, that's a good thing, right? And I, I'm sure Scott O'Neill would love to make the most of this opportunity because ultimately it would translate to good things for the team and the organization as a whole, which is his number one priority, no question. Um, let's get to tonight's game um, and I guess tie it into uh, the big comeback win in Edmonton on Saturday night. Um, you know, we kind of talked about the uh, the the flip of uh, Appleton and Iafallo, which certainly um, bore some nice results, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they look tonight. What do you make of Cole Perfetti's situation coming into this game? I mean, Cole was stapled to the bench for the second half of the third period and in overtime in a game that was a 2-2 game. Why do you think that happened? And um, where is he at going into this game, Mike? Yeah, I think these are the the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs of, of a young player who still, I'm sure, has a little bit of work to do to earn the trust of the coaching staff in pivotal situations late in games. You know, I think what we saw the other night, Huss, um, again, there was quite a bit of special teams play, uh, but then we also saw Rick Bonus, um, you know, shorten his bench a little bit. And Cole Perfetti, obviously, uh, was one of the unfortunate uh, uh, recipients, I guess, of that shortened bench. Um, 
you know, I, I know, and it's the social media world we live in, like people want to make um, mountains out of molehills, I think a lot of times when it comes to personnel decisions. Does it mean the Jets are sour on Cole Perfetti? Does it mean the Jets have given up on Cole? Of course not. Um, but I think they're they're being careful with how they deploy him. And you can certainly de- debate the merits of that. I mean, maybe the points haven't been there yet. Certainly there's some underlying numbers to suggest Cole Perfetti has been perfectly fine, a, a safe, responsible player, not you know making uh, egregious giveaways or glaring mistakes that well let me ask you this mike was he making soft plays because we heard a lot of that coming out of the vegas game and i'm not sure it was a coincidence that in crunch time that decision was made yeah i mean you know i think you could point a finger at a number of culprits for soft, soft plays and you know, look, I think Nikolai Ehlers would be another guy on that list, Huss, of guys who have to make some some harder plays at times. And I think the Jets are still waiting for Nikolai Ehlers to kind of really emerge here early in the season. And, you know, look, Cole Perfetti, Nikolai Ehlers, they both share something in common besides the fact they're on the second line. Those guys missed a bit of time as well in the mm-hmm. preseason. And maybe that's caught up to them a little bit. They also, you know, there is the grand plan to have them part of this new line with Nino Niederreiter. Well, that line never got a single second of ice time together in the preseason. Now Nino Niederreiter is not even on that line anymore. He's he's down on a third line with Adam Lowry. Um, and they've moved Vlad Nemestikov. And the reason they've moved Vlad Nemestikov up, Haas, is to try and get Nikolai Ehlers going. I agree. So... And again, it hasn't been a large body of work, but it hasn't really happened yet. I think when you look at the composition of Winnipeg's lines right now, that second line, um, and and part of it is Cole Perfetti, part of it is Nikolai Ehlers, part of it is having a guy in Nemestikov who's been bumped up now to try and kind of be the the jumper cables, if you will. Um, So that's a line that's probably going to get the short shrift uh, when push comes to shove in a close game. But again, I, I think it's just part of a, a bigger picture here. These are guys that, you know, didn't get the reps in the preseason. They're still probably trying to find their game early. And it's, you know, Cole Perfetti, again, these are these are the ups and downs. I still think back to in terms of Rick Bonus and, you know, being in, in Dallas last year, talking to players, and including Jason Robertson, who kind of, looked back with a bit of a smirk and, and a laugh about the tough love that Rick Bonus gave him in his rookie season, his first full season in the NHL. And and Jason Robertson, you know, who's turned into one of the best, you know, offensive players in the league, uh, he actually said, you know, looking back, I'm thankful that Rick Bonus handled me and my situation the way it was. I may have not have thought it at the time, um, but I had some maturing to do and some growing to do in my game. And so I think we're going to see a little bit of that with Cole Perfetti here. Again, it doesn't mean the Jets have given up on Cole Perfetti. doesn't mean they're down on him. It's just part of life, um, you know, as you navigate the, the difficult waters at times of the NHL. Yeah, and, and you know what? And I think after, um, you know, something like that, Scott O'Neill, I'm sure, was a guy that would be, you know, working with Cole, would be very For much sure. in communication with him and, 
Um, you know, I and, saw and- them having that. Just to your point, they, I actually saw Scott O'Neill yesterday at practice. He was standing with Cole Perfetti for a good chunk of time. Just the two of them. There was a lot of that happening yesterday. A one-on-one talk, and you know, I can't read lips from the distance I was at, but I'm sure a lot of that was being discussed, Huss, for sure. Yeah, and and, um, and, and listen, I mean, I, I think Perfetti at times. I mean, man been snake bit a little bit had a big goal against Vegas and you could see the the relief that he had um in scoring um, they've got to get more out of that line um but I will say this I mean Nemetsnikov and we could say the same thing about Ayafalo when Arnie really uh, re, you know, kind of referred to that earlier on as being a bit of a Swiss army knife if you will and being able to play in a number of different spots it speaks to the improved depth on this club coming yeah. out of that trade in particular and we've talked a lot about Kapari uh, we've talked a lot about Ayafalo, who's going to be on that top line. But Vlad Nemetsnikov has been, he's just been great since he's become a Winnipeg yeah. Jet. And I'm not sure a lot of people gave much thought to when they re-signed him and where he'd fit in. But if he can be a catalyst in getting Nikolai Ehlers going, that'll even be another feather in his cap right now. Because as we've seen, he has been uh, he has been a difference maker, and he has gotten involved in a number of different aspects of this club so far. Um, and I'll tell you what, he really seems to be money well spent uh, right from the day that he got here. Us, I know you you had no idea of this when you just mentioned it, but this is a time for me to sneak in a shameless plug. I actually had a lengthy sit down uh, in the room this morning with Vlad Nemesikov, just a one on one, and I'm going to be uh, the Jets are not skating tomorrow as they fly east. So I, I kind of put that one in the bank. I'm going to write it up tomorrow uh, for Thursday's free press, and it'll be online tomorrow. But had a great conversation with Vlad Nemestikov. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things about this player. Did you know, Haas, I didn't uh, until very recently, Slava Kozlov is his uncle, um, one of the the you know the great Russians on the Red Wings, uh, and so uh, Vlad Nemestikov, who kind of grew up in Detroit, he considers Michigan home. He's uh, looking forward to Thursday's game there. Uh, but he grew up watching the uh, the Russian Five, one of whom was his uncle, uh, which is really interesting. It's his Slava Kozlov is the brother of Vlad Nemestikov's mother. Uh, and they still talk, actually. He was telling me today Slava Kozlov lives in Spain uh, in the summer, and then is coaching a KHL team right now. And so him and Vlad still have a conversation every now and then. Uh, Vlad Nemesikov's own father actually briefly played in the NHL as well. He's a really interesting guy, and and I agree with you 100%. Money well spent. Um, the kind of player, quite frankly, good teams need to, to be great teams. Um, you know, guys you can move up and down the lineup and play a number of different positions can be on your power play. He can kill penalties. Uh, and so I think, you know, the, the Jets and Scott O'Neill mentioned this today. I kind of forgot all the connections they have with him. Rick Bonus previously coached him in uh, um, Tampa. Tampa. Scott O'Neill uh, previously had him. And I'm trying to remember now because Vlad's been said about eight different teams. Uh, but both Scott O'Neill and Brad Lauer also had previously had um, affiliation with Vlad Nemesikov. So I suspect when Kevin Sheveldayoff came to the coaching staff prior to free agency this year and said, Vlad Nemesikov, what do we think? All of their hands would have went up immediately and said, yeah, we want him back. Uh, and, you know, the Jets made it a priority. And I think it was a, a shrewd signing. 
Uh, they didn't have to break the bank for it, but they're getting great value, no question about it. Well, and and, and listen, I mean, we mentioned IFALO was going to get that opportunity on the top line. I honestly think it's just a matter of time before we see Rasmus Kapari probably play up in the lineup. He, uh, I mean, I don't want to say he's been a revelation, um, yeah. but there was a lot of people that didn't know much about him, and he stands out night in and night out. And, I mean, that fourth line, I, listen, I was at the game in Edmonton, Mike, and as I say, I was talking about this earlier today on the program, and I wasn't looking at any of the, you know, the natural stat trick of the lines. and But just from the eye test, that line looked about as good as it had in a long time, not only spending time in the offensive zone. Um, I think David Gustafson has come in and uh, really made the most of his opportunity right now. And I think we know Morgan Barron's capable of playing a third-line role or higher up in the lineup. I mean, that fourth line, it, it, I think the coaching staff right now, whether it's Bones or whether it's Arning on the bench, has just a different level of confidence in playing all four lines. And that's a great thing for the hockey club. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and by the way, when you speak of Rasmus Kapari, you mean the fastest man in the NHL? Us? Uh, I don't know if folks saw this. The but Flash. The, the Flash, yes. Uh uh, the NHL uh, released yesterday some new tracking data that they're collecting. Um, and uh, one of the things that they they chart is uh, the speed that players are traveling um, when they're on the ice. They now have the technology for it. And I think a lot of folks were surprised when the data came out yesterday. There it is. Remus on the ball as always. Speaking of Speaking of fast... Remus must be, he's got the quickest hands in the land. No question about it. Uh, but yeah, Rasmus Kapari, not Connor McDavid. Rasmus Kapari uh, can lay claim to, now it's early, small sample size, but he's, uh, nobody's moved quicker on the ice than Rasmus Kapari. Hussey keeps this up. He might get invited to the All-Star game uh, in the fastest skater competition Um uh, you know, if he if he keeps moving at this speed, but you're right, he's he's been a revelation, and I think fans are seeing why he was more than just a throw-in in the PL Dubois trade. The Jets they wanted Rasmus Kapari. You know, they had a, I think a vision of what this player could be. They had obviously scouted him quite heavily, and now he's being given an opportunity. And, you know, again, in the role that he's playing, the number, his offensive numbers, I, I don't think anyone's concerned about, you know, how many goals he scores or assists, but what he's doing on the ice, how effective he is when he's out there, specifically as a deterrent to the other team, making life difficult for them in that fourth line role. You can't ask for much more from your fourth line. And, you know, obviously with David Gustafson now going in, uh, as a domino effect of the Velarde injury, the fourth line looks slightly different than it did to start the year when Nemestikov was down there. But I think even in its current incarnation, Hus, there is absolute trust in what that fourth line looks like. And to your earlier question about Cole Perfetti, that line didn't get its ice time nicked. I mean, they were still out there in the final minutes of the third period in a tie game. Uh, and, you know, we can look back at a lot of previous Jets teams, you know, especially under Paul Maurice. How often would you see the fourth line out late in a tie game? The answer was very rarely, if ever. Um, and it's why we often saw fourth liners 
uh, on this team, you know, in the five, six, seven minute mark, you're now routinely seeing everybody in double digits, which is a great thing. It keeps everyone a little sharper, a little healthier. And, you know, that, that can't be anything but a benefit. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Mike, you know, uh, listen, Connor was amazing um, after giving up those first two goals. And, you know, he certainly was sort of the star of the show. Um, all of those players contributed on the PK. And yeah. listen, I mean, the Jets would like to have spent less time in the box on Saturday night. But after that first five minutes, they were able to weather it. All of those players had a big, big uh, impact in that. Certainly Connor Hellebuck was number one. But I thought it was a real step forward for the Jet blue line. And, you know, Arneil talked about Nate Schmidt, who came back and kind of looked more confident than he was before, which is somewhat ironic after you've just been sat out as a healthy scratch. But I wanted to ask you about Josh Morrissey. And, you know, he had, of course, the big breakout season last year where he was a Norris candidate and, um, you know, really just raised his level of play. If anybody thought that that from Josh was a career year and a one-year wonder, um, he's certainly uh, showing right now that um, he's basically picked up right where he left off. Uh, and that might have been his best game of the year especially, and we can talk about, you know, being in and ending up in the highlights on the OT winner, but it's what he's doing in his own end. And I mean, there's no bigger challenge than 29 and uh, 97 when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, Arneel talked about it, but just wanted to get your thoughts on the start to the season for Josh Morris. You really seemed to picked up right where he left off last year. Well, he has. And, you know, you look at offensively, uh, I'm just taking a peek right now at NHL.com. Um, Jacob Slavin, that is the only defenseman in the NHL right now, Huss, with more points than Josh Morrissey. Um, Morrissey's tied with a number of players with his six points in five. Victor Hedman, Jay Theodore, Rasmus Dahlin, um, Jake Sanderson. That's who uh, uh, Morrissey is tied with right now. That's pretty elite company. And, you know, Josh Morrissey, looking at his time on ice, 24-38 a game, like that is up there with the heavyweights. I think uh, it's just looking here, yeah, it's top 10 in the league. Um, so, you know, they're playing them in all situations. And why wouldn't you? You've got uh, an all-star. You've got a Norris candidate, a bona fide number one in Josh Morrissey, who is uh, starting this season, kind of picking up where he left off. And, you know, I think all that talk in the summer and at training camp where he spoke of believing he had more to give, had another gear, um, you know, some may have chalked that up to, well, of course, what else is he going to say? I'm going downhill from here. It's all, it can't, you know, I, I, I can't be anything but worse than I was last year. Well, no, of course, he's going to say that he believes he can be even better, but he's backing up that talk with some outstanding play and, yeah, I mean, I think the blue line has, as a whole, you could pick a, a part at certain points in games early this year where there's been some poor puck management, you know, some questionable reads. I think you can just chalk that up to, you could probably go up and down the list of virtually every team in the league, maybe except Vegas uh, and a couple others, and find all kinds of examples. That's going to happen early in the season, right? Uh, I mean, hockey is a game of mistakes and you probably get more of them made early in the year when you're still kind of getting your footing. 
Uh, but we've seen Josh Morrissey uh, really embrace the role, you know, the leadership role, the on-ice role that he has. And uh, he certainly looks like he's poised to have another outstanding season and uh, and perhaps appear on some Norris ballots again when all is said and done. Well, I think he's got a better chance this year. I mean, it won't be maybe a surprise to a lot of people outside of the market. Right. You are, sometimes you got to get on the radar first and then push forward into a, a legitimate contender. Um, hey, just before we go, we're going to be playing. We didn't have enough time for this yesterday because the show was so packed coming out of the weekend. Uh, we're going to be playing a few clips from Connor Hellebuck's after-hours visit. Yeah. Um, how good was that from your perspective? Oh, it's tremendous. <laughs> and first of all, I'm a I'm a huge fan of of what Scott Oak does. Scott Oak's one of the the best in the business at getting players to kind of open up, you know, let their hair down a little bit. And I think we saw that, um, you know, Honor Hellebuck, he, he, he can be a bit of a difficult nut to crack at times, right? He's a goalie. He's weird. Uh, all goalies are weird. Uh, but no question, Huss, uh, he got Connor Hellebuck in a pretty good mood the other night after a huge road victory in Edmonton. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck has... Um, He's done a lot of really impressive things, obviously, on the ice, but some of his endeavors off the ice as well are impressive. And, you know, he uh, really opened up about some of those projects. And, yeah, I thought it was a great revealing interview, aside of Connor Hellebuck, that we don't see all that often. And I think that setting and the timing of it kind of worked out really well uh, for, for him to flourish. And you know what, Huss? We go back to all the talk about Jets attendance and re-engaging with the community and the importance of that. I can tell you an interview like that where Connor Hellebuck kind of lets his guard down a bit and kind of shows, you know, I would, I would say almost a vulnerable side at times. Uh, to me, that, that goes so far in terms of, of building those relationships. Cause I, I think a lot of people came away from that seeing Connor Hellebuck in a different light than maybe they had in the past. And that's a good thing for the Jets uh, when you're trying to reconnect in a lot of ways with the community. And a guy like Connor Hellebuck, you just invested $59.5 million in him for seven more seasons. He's going to be here probably till the end of his career. Uh, I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, great for Hellebuck on a personal level and, and good for the Jets brand as a whole. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, uh, longtime listeners know. I mean, I'm uh, if Hellebuck's in front of a microphone, I'm listening. I mean, he's the most interesting guy, maybe one of the most interesting guys I've ever come across in hockey. And he is. he's well thought. I will admit, sitting in my seat at Rogers Arena, I was wondering about six minutes into the game oh, how yeah. that interview was going to be. <laughs> Because we've also seen him not be uh, in too good of a mood when things don't go well. But um, listen, he stepped up. It was a great time to catch him. And uh, as they say, we'll have a couple clips. Just on the way out, quick thought on the Blues uh, coming into tonight. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously undergone a real turnover. Uh, you know, some of their veteran guys, names that you've come to know for a long time. You know, your Tarasenko's and your O'Reilly's. Those guys are gone. There's a bit of a, a youth movement happening. I think Hus. You know, the Blues aren't rebuilding as much as they're trying to retool. Um, you know, they won the Stanley Cup, obviously, as often happens when teams win the Cup. Players price themselves out of the market, so they've had to undergo a lot of changes. Um, 
And they've got some really impressive young players for sure. And, you know, one thing about Scott O'Neill mentioned this this morning, you know, Craig Berube, um, no matter who's on the roster, you could have a team of absolute no-namers. He's going to get the most out of that crew. They're going to play hard. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, really anxious to see the Blues up close tonight. This is, what, the first Central Division game of the year for the Jets. And how they fare in their own division is going to go a long way to where they finish in their division. The Jets will have 25 more divisional games before the year is out. No question they'd like to, to get things going on the right foot tonight. But yeah, I expect a typical Jets-Blues game, which is to say tight-checking, hard-hitting, probably not very high-scoring. Going back to my original point, Huss, I smell overtime in a shootout. Pray for me and my deadline tonight. <laughs> Two points for the home team. I won't be worrying about you too much. Just saying, Mike. All uh, right. But good. listen, have a great uh, great one tonight. Thanks, as always, for the great chat. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, are you on the road? Penny is uh, off to Detroit and Montreal. And then next week, I'm heading out to uh, Vegas and uh, my first look at Mullet and St. Louis as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's got this one. I got next week's. Perfect. Well, uh, enjoy the week at home and uh, most importantly, this game tonight. Thanks for doing this, Mike. You bet, Huss. Take care. There's Mike McIntyre. Great chat on the Winnipeg Jets from the Winnipeg Free Press. Again, 745 puck drop tonight as part of the uh, frozen frenzy with all 32 teams in. Now, we gave you a bomber update earlier today, just coming out of practice. No Zach Caleros, no Nick Dembski. Certainly looks like Drew Brown is going to be the quarterback for Winnipeg in this meaningless final regular season game before they enjoy a bye and find out who they'll be hosting in the West Final. Of course, all our Bomber reports on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone, which is going to be getting going 3.30 p.m., two hours before kickoff on November 11th. Make sure you've got your tickets and get out to be part of what should be another amazing crowd, amazing atmosphere as the Bombers look to get back to the Grey Cup. Princess Auto, of course, is where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, do have to thank the gang down at Consolidated Supply. Um, just great partners of ours and great partners of so many of yours as the leaders in irrigation systems artificial turf, golf carts, and vehicles from the Club Car Collection is the exclusive dealer in Manitoba. But Consolidated Supply also has tons of other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options as well. And don't forget, 12 months a year, they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Consolidated Supply has so much for you, your property, and your business waiting. Get down and see them at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or check them out and find out more online at cte.ca. Well, there's so much going on right now. Jet season in full swing. Um, lots of new players like Kapari and Ayafalo that are making their presence known with the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, you got the Bombers playoffs coming up. So whether you're needing new Jets gear or Bomber gear, the one place you can hit a home run in both departments is, of course, Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway, the undisputed sports superstore in town. 
in addition to a great selection of both Jets and Bombers merchandise. You've got Sea Bears. You've got the National Football League, all 32 teams represented. And of course, now that winter is here, it is hockey season in Winnipeg and Royal Sports has been the locally owned hockey headquarters for players for over 40 years with the best hockey selection in town for players of all skill levels and all ages. Get on down and see them. 750 Pemina Highway. Give them a follow on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, great night last night at BP. Watching the Vikes get that big win. Um, listen, no better place to enjoy Monday night football than your local Boston pizza. But it's not just Monday nights that BP's rocking. Listen, if you're not at the game tonight, uh, we've got Jets Blues. You've got Game 7 between the D-backs and Phillies. NBA opening night. Um, if you're not at Canada Life Center, the next best place to be is Boston Pizza. Enjoying those gourmet wings ice-cold schooners, and incredible BP pizza selections, not to mention the new Appies on the menu. Check it out today at your local Boston Pizza, and if you're staying in, order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, um, let's get to this right now. And again, I mentioned this with Mike. Um, there's been such amazing reaction to Connor Hellebuck's visit with Scott Oak on After Hours. And, you know, you should go, if you haven't already, and watch the entire 20-minute segment um, but as Mike mentioned, it was a uh, a really unique opportunity to hear Hellebuck expand a little bit more in who he is, his decision to stay here in Winnipeg, his goals, um, and what he likes to do off the ice. And uh, we wanted to get a few of these heli highlights for you because and we saw everybody chatting about it yesterday in chat, and we just didn't have enough time to get it into. So um, here's some highlights of Connor Hellebuck's visit with Scott Oak. Um, certainly one that I think was a most of interest of everybody that follows the Winnipeg Jets and supports the home team is Hellebuck on signing long-term with Winnipeg on Thanksgiving. You know, I thought that was very crucial. I, I wanted to see kind of how the layout he was thinking um, without going into too much detail because you don't want too much information, but you want to know what's affecting your decision. So, um when you sit down and he's telling you all the ideas that he is so focused on trying to win a cup as well. And um, really the main thing that I got from it all is how much they believe in me. And um, I've surrounded myself around with people that believe in me as much as I believe in myself. And when I slept on it, I just thought, how can you leave what has gotten you to where you are now? All right. So there's Hellebuck on the, uh, on the decision to stay here in Winnipeg and sign also a really interesting bit on, uh, you know, his background emulating goalies and a highlight, I believe, from the Iceplex during training camp of a young, uh, a young goaltender emulating his hero behind the net. Check this one out. That's not something that I get to see too often, yeah. you know, because I'm not big on social media. So, you know, I did get to see that and I was... I was really shocked because it's like full 360. Yeah. And um, he's doing a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yep. look for that kid to, to be coming up and doing the right things. And, you know, that can be lost sometimes in the business side of things. And just to, to go back and look at the youth and how much fun they have from watching us and just being around us. And I think that's cruel, crucial to remember that this is, you know, this is for the next generation as well. 
All right, so there's a little bit more from Hellebuck. Now, uh, you know, in these long-form interviews, um, and I agree wholeheartedly with Mike, I mean, Scott does such a great job of, obviously, the preparation to be ready to ask questions. We'll get great background stories on these players. But for a player like Hellebuck, especially outside of this market that I think is relatively unknown, um, and with a very, very interesting backstory, but this is one that I think even Winnipeg fans might not have been aware. This is Hellebuck on joining the Odessa Jackalopes as a young player, the team that the Jets ended up drafting him from in the fifth round. You know, that was a guy that really believed in me from the start. And I, I truly believe if I did not go there, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because the people I met are the, the people that I hold true to my heart. And I still talk to this day and help me get through what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So honestly, the NHL was the last thing on my mind at that moment. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I'm like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to make it the best I possibly can. And I'm going to make this team and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the next step, whatever it is, the USHL, college. And then right around this one, I met Joe Clark, and he was just so monumental for my mental game. And then I was starting to learn about video and how much work you can put in. And then you got your, your, you're playing a ton, so you got to manage all that, which uh, wasn't great then, but I was young, so I could handle it. So there's so much that going into it, and I'm on my own. So I, I just have all this time to just work on my craft. And then having him there, he wanted to do the same with me, mm -hmm. not, not like force it on me. Yeah, he wanted Joe to do Clark it with me. Yeah. Joe Clark, yeah, yeah, he wanted to do it with me. He yeah. wanted to help me proceed and, and go after my future. And you know, that was so crucial to have all that. And then around Christmas time, as all these colleges are calling, I'm like, what is going on here? This is so new to me. I was just, I followed my brother's footsteps trying to make juniors, and once that did, it like yeah. snap of your fingers. It, it just started just spiraling. Next thing you know, the NHL teams are calling. <laughs> uh, Connor Hellebuck, more from his after-hours visit on Sportsnet after Hockey Night in Canada. I have often told listeners and all of you, listen, we all know it's important to believe in yourself and whatever you're doing. There is nobody that believes in himself like Connor Hellebuck, and we've heard that a number of times, certainly heading into the season as to when he was deciding about what his future would be. Um, here's Hellebuck on... Uh, his belief in himself. Yeah, it's crucial to believe in yourself. Um, if you don't believe you're going to do something, you're never going to achieve it because you won't do the right things to start trying to achieve those things. Um, that, that's why belief and I, I learned that learned that at a young age, at like 18, to really set your goals and believe in you're gonna that you're gonna do them, mm -hmm. and then you just naturally start doing things to get you there. Uh, and another funny part coming out of the belief in himself was uh, Scott was asked if uh, he ever gives up bad goals. I mean, I want them all back. <laughs> so, I mean, what's a bad goal yeah. if you want them all back? Yeah. All goalies are that way, right? Yeah. They don't I mean, want anything going by them. I mean, I'm, I'm over there talking to the back of goalie after the first goal. Like, man, it hit my glove. I, I read it perfectly. It hit my glove. I don't understand why it's going in. And, <laughs> you know, you just you can't get too tied up on on goals in this league because it'll it'll crumble you and it will it'll set you back a little bit and really i mean this has been a jets mantra for all the years that i've been here if we give up two that's probably all they're getting <laughs> the never wavering confidence of connor hellebuck on display uh another interesting bit was um a question about former fan favorite dustin bufflin 
his connection with Hellebuck and uh, getting him out on the ice fishing in the Winnipeg winter. Yeah, I mean, when you're coming up in this league and you're trying to just make it, make it, and do whatever it takes to make it. And he was a veteran guy that kind of helped me understand that this city is fun. There's yeah. things to do. Yeah. Um, I, I shortly after arriving talked to him about fishing and then he was talking about ice fishing and how fun ice fishing can be and it's a good way to get away and so he would take me and for the first year of him taking me I was like man this is awesome yeah. thanks for showing me the ropes he's showing me the ropes and um, then he left and left me all alone <laughs> so I kind of had to figure out how to do it all myself but at that point I was set up well and now every time I, I go through Minnesota, I try to stop by his place and go fishing with him. Yeah. His ice fishing ex- exploits are legendary. You got Iafalo now, who I hear is a <laughs> yeah. fisherman too now, so he's going to Yes, he's a big outdoorsman, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Could, could fishing with Buff be its own TV show? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Would he want it, though? That's the question. He uh, likes to get away when he gets out there. Cody Magnuson asks, uh, your favorite fishing spots in Manitoba? There you go. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I like to go... Uh, Prudings Creek around the south basin of Lake Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find some good fish in there, and you know you just got to chase them around sometimes while I load up in an area, and you got to follow them down. And I have a bunch of buddies out there, so I usually text them for information. Makes my job a lot easier. Just go right to the fish instead of trying to find them. But yeah, that area seems to be great. Hellebuck on uh, his love of the outdoors and uh, fishing. Now, one other thing, we wanted to make sure we got this uh, clip in. Um, we remember last year, Hellebuck um, worked on a children's book focusing on mental health. It's called Bucky Beats the Blues. And he talked a little bit about how that came to be as well. Yeah, so the purpose of these books is to, to help the next generation start talking. Um, the mental health, uh, it's, it's more about communicating with an adult and, and not, just, not just absorbing such a such a hard emotional I, I guess feeling mm-hmm. by yourself it's it's about talking it's about opening up it's not about holding everything in and letting things spiral um i talk about at the back it's it's my story of how i went through some mental health things and um at the front it's weasel which is a little kid going through it and at the middle it meets at the same uh, the, the same like um thing we're trying to talk about and that's trying to get the kids to talk to their parents or talk to someone they trust Mm -hmm. or talk to a loved one anyone really just talk about your feelings and get it out there is definitely times where you need to be tough but i still think if you talk that out you can learn those times when it's time to be tough and that's why it's so important to just talk and this book really drives home to talk to someone don't Mm -hmm. don't suffer in silence Oh, man, some great comments in the chat. I see Phyllis and uh, Bridget both bought this book for um, youngsters in the family. And uh, Chris Jets fan saying, Hellebuck is such a class act, wonderful Jets ambassador, uh, no doubt. Here's one more uh, from Helly to finish it up. And uh, this is Helly on his advice to himself. Probably stay patient and, and, and work hard and work smart. Make sure you're working smart every day. A hard work can go the wrong direction if you're not working smart. I think that was kind of like my upbringing is I wasn't just working hard. I was, everything had a meaning. Everything was detail purposed. All right. Some great, great advice um, for young people in general, not just young hockey players and not just young goaltenders, but uh, and again, great stuff from Scott Oak. The uh, Sportsnet YouTube, I believe has it posted up in its entirety. 
Highly recommended you check that out. All right, we're going to get to all of these games in the National Hockey League tonight in just a minute. But we do have a couple more, a little bit more audio from the Jets' room. We've talked a lot about Alex Iafalo today. Um, he'll be front and center. He already has been a big contributor on the power play, had been playing with Adam Lowry and Nito Niederreiter on a line that was you know, arguably line two for the Winnipeg Jets, certainly in how they were being used. But with Mason Appleton being bumped off that top line, it was Iafalo's opportunity. And uh, Iafalo talked about being moved alongside Connor and Shifley in the absence of Gabriel Velarde. Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, you know, they're pretty agile uh, moving pucks uh, down low there. So I'm just trying to get open, find spots to, uh, to you know, get the puck, get the puck to them. And um, you know, they're fast, so uh, just keeping up and uh, you know, pushing the pace. Fast players, but high IQ players yeah. too. Is there a trick to finding a way to fit in with guys that have play a game a certain way in a high IQ? For sure, I think it's a lot of communication maybe uh, before. So they, you know, they talk a lot uh, on the bench to me, and or just before uh, faceoffs, just kind of stuff like that helps you, uh, you know, learn where they're going to be, and uh, you know, they're really good players. So you know, you just got just try to get uh, the timing down. And one more clip from Ayafalo, who was asked if he uh, if he has to change the way he plays based on the line that he's on now with Shife and Connor. Not really. It's more of just kind of like. Uh, you know, talking with them, really. Just get the connection before the game and before the shift, whatever it may be. If there's something going on, you know, just try to figure it out. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, everybody's – it's it's easy when, uh, you know, the guys are great and, you know, you got a little relationship before, you know, you understand where they're going to be on the ice, D-zone, whatever it may be. And uh, So probably just communication, really. There's Alex Ayafalo of the Winnipeg Jets. And, Reem, he has been – like I was excited to see how he would look and where he would fit in, and I kind of, you know, speculated, you know, throughout the summer after the trade that probably a guy that could be playing potentially on the second line, likely on the third. Um, but you know, much like a few of the players that have come over, it, it seems like they bring a defensive aptitude that is very much welcome on that line. But as we've seen on the power play, has been able to contribute offensively as well with the number of goals so far this season and. Um, as much as we'd all love to see Gabriel Velarde back, that's not happening anytime soon. Big opportunity and big chance for Ayafau to continue to prove his worth and his value to, this, to his new team. Yeah, I mean, he's played top line before. He played with uh, Dustin Brown and Anze Kobar, Agent Kempe. He's played with talented players, and you know, he kind of brings a skill that, uh, you know, the guy who's hard forechecker goes and gets the puck out, and you know, on the power play, he's, he's contributed as well. So he's really... Fit in. I think he's a style of play, something the Jets uh, didn't really have. So, and you know, we look. They tried Mason Alpton. I think because he was a right shot, they wanted to give him a, give him a chance there. And uh, if I was a left shot playing on the right side, uh, but that you know sometimes that works out. And uh, look, he's got four points in five games. Has three goals. Point per game player. So, here's see how this line goes and. Uh, the Jets are a favorite tonight against the St. Louis Blues, so certainly going to be a lot of opportunity to add on to that total. Yeah, we'll get to those uh, favorites and those lines on a massive sports day in just a second in the Cool Bet lines. Don't forget, gang, if you're heading to the game tonight, uh, maybe it's your first game of the season, take a walk down that downstairs concourse. Um, looks completely different at the north end, and it includes the new craft beer corner. If you're on the lower bowl, you'll be able to get our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, now an official partner of the Winnipeg Jets. On the concourse level, 
in both the north end at Craft Beer Corner as well. The local beers are available in the south end. And if you're in the upper bowl tonight, you're going to want to pop down to Section 310, the uh, newly revamped Craft Beer Corner as well. And by the way, begin in the beginning, it was the, the, the beers were all available in cans, which they are. Uh, but they've also got the local beers on tap as well. If you're looking for Little Brown Jug at the game, that is where to find it. Of course, Little Brown Jug now also a partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and available at Blue Bomber Games in the Poutinery and hometown sections. And uh, listen, Little Brown Jug also available wherever they sell great beer. But the best place to find it, William Avenue, the brewery and tap room. Not as much patio time left for the summer uh, but a great spot to meet with friends and try everything that Little Brown Jug is cooking up. Find them online at littlebrownjug.ca as well with local delivery options. And, um, you know, hey, we had a big, a great chat yesterday with uh, Eric Swar from the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And the MJ Showcase continues today and tomorrow out at Seven Oaks. Uh, Got to give a big shout out to uh, to Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ, um, because, of course, they kind of put down roots in the Niverville area with the Niverville DQ. They've added to it with the new Pita Pit in Niverville and uh, also a big role in uh, getting junior hockey to Niverville with the newest franchise, the, the uh, Niverville Nighthawks of the MJHL. Of course, if you want to pop by and see Nick and Nikki in the city, they got four DQs or three DQs in Winnipeg in addition to the Niverville location. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's as well. And if you need Pita Pit catering, you can hit them up on X at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, Remus, let's do this. Uh, what a night that we have for sports fans. And um, especially if you like to put a little sprinkle on a few games, uh, you got plenty of options tonight. Um, starting off with Major League Baseball over with our cool bet lines. The Phillies are minus 164 favorites to win game seven and move on to take on the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Arizona Diamondbacks, the road underdogs at plus 145. We got two games in the NBA tonight to kick off the season. Lakers and Nuggets. Nuggets, five and a half point favorites at home. And the Suns and the Golden State Warriors as well. Steph Curry and the Warriors, one minus 139 favorites in the NBA. But it's a full slate of games in the NHL. I'm going to run through these, Reem, and then I want your uh, if you're, your favorite picks, if you're going to be putting together maybe, say, a three-gamer. Starts off with the Leafs and Caps. Leafs minus 172 on the money line, and again, that is just to win the game, can win it in regulation, overtime, shootout. Washington Capitals plus 146. That's a 5 o'clock start. 5.30, it's the Ducks and Blue Jackets. Columbus minus 141 favorites. The Ducks, plus 120. No Patrick Laine. He's on the IR. Buffalo lost last night to Montreal. They're one of only two teams that played last night that'll be on the second end of back-to-backs. They're a plus 158 underdog in Ottawa, taken on the Senators. Sens, minus 188 favorites at home. Pretty close game here. And I'm thinking about leaning on the uh, underdog in this one. Carolina, minus 123. Tampa, plus 105. Sebastian Ajo still day-to-day. Not sure whether he's in the lineup tonight. Uh, But the Canes finishing off a crazy road trip that took them all up the west coast of California and now all the way to Florida. 
right now. Canes minus 123. Devils and Canadians. Habs with that win last night. They're on back-to-backs. Devils minus 234 favorites. Don't mind the puck line on them, actually, at plus 107 to win by two. The Dallas Stars and Pittsburgh Penguins get underway just after 6.30. Dallas favored on the road, minus 133 in Pittsburgh. Penguins plus 113. Uh, We've got the Sharks and the Panthers. Sharks, one of the weakest teams in the NHL, always an underdog. They're plus 205. Panthers minus 249. Avalanche on Long Island to take on the Islanders. Colorado minus 142. Islanders plus 120. Uh, 7.15 our time is the Kraken and Red Wings. Detroit winners, I believe, of five in a row right now. Minus 122 favorites at home against the Kraken, who are plus 104. Um, just after 7.30, we're going to get the Boston Bruins and Chicago Blackhawks dropping the puck. Bedard at home, plus 190. Home dogs are the Blackhawks. The Bruins, who incredibly have picked up right where they left off in the regular season, winning every game so far. They're minus 230. Then we've got the Blues and Jets. The Jets were a huge favorite earlier. It was minus 193. That number has come down a little bit to minus 182, but still a significant favorite. St. Louis plus 154. Oilers and Wild just after 8 o'clock our time. Wild minus 118. Oilers without McDavid plus 101. Just after 8.15, we get the Canucks and Predators. Nashville minus 121. Vancouver plus 103. Road Dogs. Uh, The Rangers and Calgary Flames are going to drop the puck. Just past 8.45, Calgary plus 113, home dogs, Rangers minus 133 favorites. The Coyotes and Kings go at it just after 9.30 tonight, LA minus 176, home favorites, Coyotes plus 149 on the road. And then the final game of 16 tonight is the Vegas Golden Knights, Still undefeated, minus 192 favorites at home against the Philadelphia Flyers, who have actually surprised a few teams this year, but Philly a big underdog, plus 162 in Vegas. What a lineup, Remo. What are some of your favorite uh, favorite selections tonight? Oh, man. There's so many, so many games here. Um, Rangers over the Flames. I'll go with I'll go with some underdog picks. We'll crack in over Detroit. They've got off to a bit of a a slow start here. Um, and then yeah, I love about, Detroit in that game minus one twenty two. I mean, considering the way those teams have played so far, I can't believe that Detroit isn't a bigger uh, bigger favorite. That's true. Um, Lightning a decent a Lightning as a home dog. I agree. Seems interesting in Carolina. What Aho? I think he's like game time. Anderson practiced. He missed a couple games. He's game time. And, yeah, I would go Ottawa over over Buffalo. And, uh, yeah, who Maple Leafs over Washington. We'll see how it goes. We did get some NHL news just while we were reading those. I got the alert that Gary Bettman upheld the Rasmus Anderson suspension. So the Flames will be without him tonight. And Ah. at the next three games, won't play in the Heritage Classic. Uh, yeah, well, do the crime, you do the time. Sorry about the appeal there, Rasmus. Uh, so no McDavid likely and definitely no Rasmus Anderson for the Winter Classic. Now, it, these are, aren't up yet, but if those of you that uh, like the lock shop or like to uh, jump on a few of our exclusives at Cool Bet, 
needless to say, Dusty and I cooked up uh, a few today. And shout out to everyone that rode with us last night. Another winner on our parlay. Back-to-back days. Things are things are good in the lock shop right now. Um, our lock shop partner parlay, we're taking the Devils on the puck line at minus 1.5. We're taking the Wings, and we're taking the Lightning to win. Um, and the ride with Huss, I've got just a straight three-gamer. Rangers to beat Calgary. Wild to beat the Oilers. Avalanche to beat the New York Islanders. That one should be in at around 5-1 to one or just above it. Um, Dusty's got an interesting one. Bedard, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, and Hughes all to record a point. Um, and Dusty's got one. I don't mind this one as well. Panthers to win in regulation. Senators and Kings money line. So all of those are going to be up very shortly in the Cool Bet exclusives. We'll give you a nice number on those, kind of as opposed to doing them yourselves. And uh, as they say, Dusty mentioned to me at the end of the program today, Reem, Terry Jones of Edmonton Media Royalty put together a 16-game parlay today for the action in the NHL. And I said, Jonesy's had like a 50-year Hall of Fame career, and it would all be dwarfed if he could actually hit all 16 games tonight together on about a 240,000 to one parlay. Um, it's definitely a fun night if you do mm-hmm. like to put to, uh, to put some games together and get into the DraftKings contest because uh, we're never going to have more hockey than we do tonight. Only the second day, as Wino said, in NHL history, all 32 teams are playing on the same night. Yeah, I think this is awesome. Uh, staggered start times, 15 minutes. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people complaining about it being on two why is it on a tuesday and maybe you could have complained about your local market if you're you know, actually going to the game uh you know here it's at 7 45 i know the detroit game uh 8 15 eastern there uh, detroit you know they played in the western conference all those years in the eastern time zone so um so yeah i can see you know some downsides but hey i like uh, if you're trying to attract fans espn has been doing a great job Promoting hockey, what they got uh, Pat McAfee talking about a more PK Subban on there and uh, John Bouchergross going hard. I mean, they talk about it during college football. This was ESPN's idea. The Tuesday worked best for ESPN where they don't have football Sunday, Monday, college football Saturday. Uh, Thursday is the national NBA day. So it's really like Tuesday or Wednesday. So we'll see how this goes. I wonder if they'll do it more. I think too bad that Canada doesn't get the uh, whip around show, but I'm sure, you know, all Canadians are going to be watching their own teams. Anyways, maybe not as invested in the uh, in the full product. Although, you know, when the Jets aren't playing, I'll tune in or I'll watch after the, the late game. So I'm excited to see how this turns out and uh, maybe they'll do it again. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone actually has Sportsnet Plus, but if you have it, apparently that's where you'll be able to get the feed of Bucci doing the... They, uh, they have it on there? I thought they were just going to have all the games. I think the ESPN feed is only... Only oh really? US, is only in the U.S. Like okay, well I don't have it either, and I'm going to the game. So uh, yeah. Anyways, if you if you find a way to watch it in Canada, um, let us know tomorrow what you thought of it, and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people um, from a media perspective kind of following what ESPN is doing tonight. But uh, I'm here for it, and as we talk with with Wino, if this works well, this is something I think we'll see probably on a Saturday post football season. Um, but right now, with ESPN's commitments to so many other things that, um, you know, frankly, take precedence over the NHL just because of viewership and money involved, 
it wasn't going to happen during football season on the weekend. Um, so we're going to do it on this Super Tuesday, starting off at 5 o'clock, 7.45, or just afterwards here in Winnipeg. The Jets and Blues will get at it. And then that final game just after 10 o'clock our time, Vegas Golden Knights and the Philadelphia Flyers. Great show today. Big thanks to Stephen Wino at SWino on Twitter. And, of course, our pal Mike McIntyre for, uh, for jumping on. Great stuff with Remus getting those clips both from the Jets' locker room and from Connor Hellebuck's after-hours visit with Scott Oak on the weekend. And uh, now it's time to get ready for a huge sports night. If you're at the game, maybe we'll see you there. Come and say hi if you do. And otherwise, we will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. We'll break it all down. Tonight's game against the Blues and a look ahead to the road trip as the Jets hit the road tomorrow to Detroit Thursday and a Saturday night game against Les Canadiens in Montreal. Big thanks to all of our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And all of you for jumping in with us. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we'll be talking about a 3-3 three and three team hitting the road tomorrow. Jets and Blues tonight, 745. Have a great one, everyone. Enjoy the games. A big sports night. And we'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.